I, you know, I had a very cinematic dream last night. Ooh, yeah. Tell yeah. me about it, sir. Well, it started off with Vince Gilligan wanting to recut Kingdom of Heaven. <laughs> <laughs> and I just recently got the longer version, haven't watched it, so it's been in the back of my mind. So it clearly made its way to my unconscious. And Vince Gilligan is always in my unconscious. So somehow <laughs> he has it brought permanent the, residence he there. He has permanent residence. He's got a, a vacation home. <laughs> and somehow my brain brought those two together and he had recut it, but he did the opposite and he tried to make it even shorter. shorter. <laughs> so he like cut out like Liam Neeson's in it and then I was like watching it like, where'd Liam Neeson go? Oh, this is the Vince Gilligan cut. <laughs> And then he got bored with it, apparently, or I got bored with this part of the dream, and he decided <laughs> what he really wanted to do was link every Tom Cruise science fiction movie. <laughs> starting, I would watch the shit out of that, by the <laughs> starting way. Starting with Edge of Tomorrow, and then it linked to Oblivion, which linked to Minority Report. Like, in every, So every Tom Cruise science fiction movie had become one movie, one narrative, and, it was, and because Edge of Tomorrow has time travel, it all kind of synced up somehow. <laughs> so this is what was going on in my head And Oblivion has cloning, so they could Oblivion be like, has the cloning. characters, there'd be like five different Tom Cruises, yes. and at all, they're all the same yes. guys still? Yes. No, so that was that was what's going on in my unconscious last night. <sighs> that so. sounds fantastic. <laughs> I know, it was the nerdiest dream I've ever had. <laughs> This special TV episode of the Daily Screening Podcast. My name, as always, is Daily, uh, and joining me for this very special uh, examination of our beloved show, Justified, uh, we have my partner in coal mining crime, Jeff Schwartz. Hey, Jeff. Hi, Daily. Uh, it's nice to have you here. Uh, you, I know you and I have this mutual love of Justified. Absolutely. And Elmore Leonard in general. Mm -hmm. um, and so with the finale having aired uh, this past week or last week, um, it, there's just no way we couldn't talk about this. No. Um, so so we're going we're gonna to dig in to all things Justified this week. Looking forward to it. We, uh, in honor of our Justified discussion, we are drinking a little apple pie, uh, as Mags Bennett would have mm. wanted, I think. Pies and was in the glass. <laughs> magnificent Mags impression. <laughs> uh, and we're drinking it out of mason jars, no less. Mm -hmm. So, Because that was, I felt, the only way to do that. So, all right. Cheers, sir. Cheers, indeed. Um, well, uh... Before we do, let, before we talk about the finale itself, which, uh, I mean, let's just, right off the top of the head, fantastic finale, yeah, right? Yeah, good. Mean, very, very good. And on, upon rewatching, even better, I yeah, think. Yeah, uh -huh. I think it's it resonates a lot, even the second time around. Yeah. I mean, especially, like, that last scene, which, like, destroyed no, me the first no. time. But even the second time, like, it yeah. still really got to me. No, it gave me goosebumps. Yeah. Like, and both times that I watched it, it literally gave me goosebumps, mm -hmm. which... There have only been a few finales where I have that visceral of an emotional reaction at the end and continue to. Like, maybe yeah. you'll have it the first time, but you watch it again. It's like, oh, well, you know, I know what happens. But yeah, exactly. Not, the, not this. It works, you know, both times. It holds I've seen up. It. Yeah. Um, well, let's, but let's talk about the show as a whole uh, for a little while. Um, now, because – so when I think of Justified, uh, I remember watching the pilot mm -hmm. um, and the first – you know, the first five minutes of that pilot, that cold open is wonderful. It, yeah. I mean, it's one of the it's like it's so tense mm -hmm. and it so perfectly encapsulates 
but it's Graylin cool. and yo no absolutely and, and cool in every sense of the word yeah you know? like it's it's cool like oh that's cool but it's cool yeah it's Elmo yeah. Leonard cool exactly it's, like, it's you know it's all it's all simple and straightforward mm-hmm. and underplayed there's yeah. no fucking explosions going on no. it's just two guys yeah shitting each other and mm-hmm. you know sitting at a table oh man and it's mm-hmm. like the t- like i remember watching that scene and just like literally being on the edge of my seat and mm-hmm. just being like i can't what the fuck what the fuck is going i don't even know who these people are but i'm so in oh. invested right now so that's interesting so you had not read fire in the hole no okay. no i had not see because i had read fire in the hole and and so i had a slightly different reaction because i knew what was coming right but i appreciated how well it was executed mm-hmm. and i was like oh if this is like the standard we're gonna set for this series then this is gonna be good i remember so like now and now in honesty that isn't even the first taste of the series i got though because i remember uh in the lead up to the show uh i think you know fx probably put some clips online or something mm, yeah but uh the first because I, I remember this because i rewatched the pilot uh this week um leading up to the finale and i, re- I, re- to- I had totally forgotten about this but the first uh thing that i ever saw from this show is the scene in the pilot where uh uh, Raylan is at Ava's house, mm-hmm. and Dewey shows up uninvited. <laughs> yes, so it's just yes. that scene between him and the, mm-hmm. with the scatter gun. Yep. Um, that and that scene is like all another like a perfect it's encapsulation of everything classic. that's going to come. Yeah. You know, going forward in that show. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had totally forgot. I was like, oh yeah, I remember like watching this online mm-hmm. and being like a little bewildered. I was like, wait, I don't, because it's because it, like out of context, like without mm-hmm. like who they're talking about, or it's like it's like I don't know what this is all about. But I love Timothy Oliphant, so like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm into it. But mm-hmm. man, like that pilot is one of my favorites. I bought the first season on Blu-ray mostly just so that I could have that pilot. Yeah. Because I love that. And the you know the first season of the show is a little, you know, they didn't quite know what they were doing at first. No, um, no they kind of alternated between procedurals and an overall case. Yeah, there was some like uh, episode, you know, case of the week kind of mm-hmm. things, which was Raylan just running down some particular felon mm-hmm. um but and but even those work like there's that the one with uh which i because i rewatched the whole season the whole first season uh because it's the only one that i own so I, I rewatched it i think leading up to the beginning of this season mm-hmm, me too. um i saw it last summer again yeah the first time or for the second time right yeah, yeah yeah um but there's that episode with uh with alan ruck where he's a dentist <sighs> everyone brings up this episode this might be where we disagree okay i love that episode has an amazing cold open speaking of cold open right no exactly that, that i have no quarrel with or no robert quarrels with <laughs> but what bothers me about that episode is a it takes place in california yes so clearly true. they're like what where's our setting you know yeah. is it miami is it kentucky is it california We're so they're the not place, quite yeah. sure what world they're in yet and then it gets really weirdly sentimental at the end. Mm-hmm. And so the way I've always approached Justified is by the, you know, the yardstick of Elmore Leonard and what he would do and, and his sort of his approach to storytelling, his approach to tone, his approach to dialogue. And that ending just felt so false to me. And I almost gave up on the series after that because oh, yeah. they were doing the weird procedurals, which were OK, but not not enough to really keep me invested right no i agree i'm really glad they dropped that stuff and and you know boyd was was not in it for a few episodes Mm -hmm. you know he didn't come back till i think the seventh episode of that season or the eighth episode even yeah so i everyone always brings that up as like oh it's a great standalone justified but i i don't know because it doesn't feel like an elmore leonard story that's where i I quibble with i agree um although i think that is actually an adaptation of a Raylan given story um i don't know if it, it has is. a different it has a different I, I read this this past week uh, it has a different title it's not called long in the tooth it's called something else 
Um, it must be from Raylan then, the last novel that Elmore wrote, because it's not. He wrote Fire in the Hole, and then there's Pronto, and I think and it's writing the rap. Mm, I think no, there's nothing like that in Pronto. Really? Yeah. I could have sworn I read this week that it was an it was, that it was like a loose adaptation of something, and I feel like it was Pronto. No, maybe, maybe, Pron- I, maybe I misread that. Pronto, it, uh, Pronto is interesting because half of it takes place in Italy. So Raylan really? in Italy. Oh wow! So, but it's uh, Pronto is, is wonderful. Writing the rap is more of a true like that for Justified fans will feel like an episode of Justified, right? Even though it takes place in Florida, but Pronto is a little different, and it's even a little different for Elmore Leonard because it is sort of more globe trotting in a way. Yeah. Such but, as it is, yeah. Such as it is, but but yeah, no, there's nothing like the long in the tooth episode in mm. Pronto. I'm interesting. Pretty certain of that. Um, so. Yeah, I'm mostly like Alan Ruck in that episode. Yeah, um, he's, he's good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it doesn't really, you're right, like, it doesn't really fit within the rest of the framework of the no. show, um, and I'm really glad that that's not what the show, you know, Became, would ultimately yeah. become, yeah, mm-hmm. um, that they moved away from that kind of stuff, yeah. because the serialized, it's one of the things that I really, really love, probably the thing, one of the things I love the most about this show, um, from, like, a bigger picture standpoint, mm-hmm. um, is the concept of like the single season big bad mm-hmm. um which you mm-hmm. know other shows have done oh, buffy yeah. vampire slayer did it a bunch yeah. but like every season had like a really or the big bads were always like really fun and really mm-hmm. compelling in their own way um I mean, the first season is probably the you know the one that's because they don't really have a great big bad they, well, they have, got bo they have bo crowder but yeah. he's the kind of not really a big presence for a lot end. of this he comes season. In yeah. yeah yeah um so they're still really finding their footing in that first season mm-hmm. um i do appreciate though i will say my quibbles with um long the tooth aside some of the other standalone episodes later in the series i love oh, like sure. the the this maybe is what you're thinking of um instead of long the tooth it's in the third season it's where dewey thinks his kidneys have been stolen oh you yeah, remember yeah. That? yeah 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 that is from an elmore leonard story oh interesting so so that one i love and i love i mean dewey crow if, if an episode's yeah. gonna oh, have we're dewey always crow, up for more dewey crow yeah yeah but but that one is is really excellent and and i sometimes even though it feels a little out of place even as well executed as it might be you know it, it doesn't always fit into the arc of the season but i do enjoy them on their own kind of the way i enjoy some of the standalone x-files episodes sure you know, that don't fit into the mythology because they're just they're fun yeah. they're maybe a chance to do something you wouldn't get in a mythology episode or in mm-hmm. an overall you know big bad episode totally. so so some of those are really good i just yeah. personally don't like long in the tooth that much no, that's fair um but yeah no because jamie and i just finished watching uh, orange is the new black mm. and um nice. that second season you know v comes mm-hmm. in as like such a huge presence yes. there mm-hmm. um and you know without giving away a lot of spoilers you know her story spoiler podcast that's true that's true i guess um you know her her storyline is dispatched by the yes. end of the season and <laughs> you know jamie was i think really kind of like anxious about because she really didn't not that she didn't like her as like uh as a character like mm-hmm. like oh i hate it. but it's like you know she's a villain so she didn't yeah. like her like the villains like oh yeah. she's making everybody she hated the way she infected everybody else yes. like uh-huh. she did her job as the villain uh-huh. which is she why did. jamie didn't like her mm-hmm. um but she was like oh i really you know i really don't want her to be, i want them to get rid of her because mm-hmm. i want all the other characters to go back to like being you know friendlier or whatever and i was saying like yeah but you know like i totally like i never had that concern because mm-hmm. it seemed very clear to me like coming out of justified that's like oh well season one was like all the prisoners against mm-hmm. the one asshole guard mm-hmm. and season two is like the one asshole prisoner who comes in and mm-hmm. like fucks with the dynamics yeah so it's like no that seemed like a very logical progression to me it's like no these are like individual season big bads the same mm-hmm. way that justified does yeah um now well, can, well let's talk about let's talk about these villains mm-hmm. um 
Well, I was going to say, when you were talking about villains and big bads, I think there is an exception to this in terms of how the seasons are structured, and that is season four, which I'll just go out ahead and say is my favorite season. Everyone gives it up for season two, and yeah. that season two has Margot Martindale as Mag Bennett, Bennett, who yeah. is the best villain. She's the best villain, Unequivocally sure. the yeah. best villain. Yeah. But that season is also kind of a mirror image of season one, in that Mags makes a, a grand appearance in the first episode, yep. and then disappears, disappears for, for like while. five or yeah. six episodes, and then we get into the serial you know sort of back half of that yeah so people kind of fondly remember season two not remembering that it's pretty much exactly like yeah. season one well a lot of the really heavy lifting in season two is actually left to dicky and mm-hmm. uh and the other two whose yeah. names i have forgotten yeah because dicky is, the, the, is best. the best yeah. one yeah exactly yeah, yeah. Uh, but the the bennett boys are the doing bennett most boys. of the heavy lifting yeah. in terms of like the sort of day-to-day villainy there yeah, yeah, yeah. um so yeah i mean mags mags is incredible mm-hmm. but i agree i i really love uh Season four. Season four. That's yeah. the um, Drew Thompson. It's, Drew Thompson. It's the Drew Thompson season. Yes. Um, I love that season. I do too. And um, it feels very close to Justified Heart in terms of its themes, you know, because it's mm-hmm. all about how you can't escape the past and, and totally. sort of the, the past infecting the present. And that is such a great way to kind of bridge a lot of the stuff that happens in the earlier seasons and weave it together with new stuff absolutely and the fact that there isn't a big bad is kind of a nice way to deal yeah. with the fact There's that a... you can't you can't top mags and as good as some of the subsequent villains are they're not they're no mags yeah none of, nobody ever lives up to the specter of mags bennett yeah. so like taking that sort of left turn where mm-hmm. drew thompson isn't a villain he's a you know he's a convict who escaped a long time ago mm-hmm. and now they're trying to hunt him down because yeah. you know some new evidence has come to light or whatever mm-hmm. and so uh yeah the idea so there is like a guy that they're trying to get but mm-hmm. he you know is basically in the shadows for the whole time it's not yeah. like they and it's not even well, like but he's not in the shadows well, which it, is the great that's thing the about great it. thing yeah exactly <laughs> i mean at, at a certain point it becomes clear that like somebody is drew thompson somebody mm-hmm. you know is actually drew thompson you just mm-hmm. don't know who it is um but the, like the idea that like moreover that it's not like he's still like a bad guy who's like never you know really was a bad he's guy. pulling the strings in the shadow mm-hmm. like that, that, that he's like doing stuff off screen and like mm-hmm. he's fucking with them it's like no he's just a guy who's trying to live in mm-hmm. peace you know because yeah. now he's like an old guy basically mm-hmm. um like i love that that sort of diversion from the standard yeah. justified fair um, yeah, but you're right. I think that season does not get nearly enough credit mm-hmm. uh, as it should. If for no other reason, it introduces Patton Oswalt as Constable Bob. I know, and that, if, if I have a, a thing about the last season that I just wish, and I, you know, it's hard. You only got, whatever, 45 minutes that FX gives you. Yeah. There's just not enough Constable Bob There's in the There's never last enough season. Constable Bob. And, and the fact that they brought him back felt more like, well, we got to bring back Patton, but we don't really know what to do with him. Yep. So we're just going to give him kind of a funny thing to do with Ava, and then he'll get hurt, and that's the end. Yeah. You know, like, it's, it's, seemed a little un you know like unbecoming of them uh in terms of how they wanted to end him as a i agree and it's in and on, uh moreover i read an interview with graham yost where they he said that they realized like way after the fact because the last time we see constable bob is he's been shot by by boyd yes and he's like basically like bleeding out in Raylan's car going mm-hmm. just i keep me awake ask me indiana jones <laughs> trivia you know which is like, fucking incredible um but like and then that's the last you see of him. Uh-huh. And so Graham Yost said, like, at a certain point, they realized, like, shit, we forgot to say that Bob's still alive. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, we forgot to tell people what but, happened to Bob. But 
Justified has always had a very loose relationship with life and death and, yeah. its, and its characters. So I never for once assumed that unless someone says he is dead, he's at the morgue, yep. and Raylan is standing over his tombstone, <laughs> that character is not dead. Yeah, if you don't see a body bag get zipped up, then yeah. I never assume anybody is dead. No, exactly. not at all. So, not at all. Um, but yeah, so okay, so I'd say, I agree. I think season four is probably my favorite season. Mm-hmm. Um, and like it's If I was just going to watch a single season right now, I would yeah. watch season four. Absolutely. Um, I think the season two Megs Bennett year is probably that would probably be second for me, yeah. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of well, before let's let's before we rank any of the seasons because I do I do I do want to sort of rank the seasons oh, a little I bit. Think, I think I think yeah. it, I think that's called for. Yeah. Uh, but let's talk about some of those other villains. Uh, we've got uh, Robert um, Quarles. Robert Quarles and Limehouse. And which is Limehouse a villain? Yeah, I don't I don't think he's really a villain. No. Um, I was listening to another podcast this week where they were talking about Justified and they were they were sort of talking about the villains and mm-hmm. yeah, like you have you kind of have to put Limehouse in a in a secondary category yeah. with the likes of Win Duffy. Yeah, uh, and Dewey exactly. Crow, where they're not really villains, uh, they're not really good guys, they're not really like major threats, but mm-hmm. you know they stir the pot and they like you know they mm-hmm. fuck shit up and then yes. they disappear for half a season, you yeah. know. Um, Limehouse had that amazing first episode, though. Yes. You remember that where he's like carving up a pig yes. and he's doing like his. It's it reminds me a little bit of this the scene that introduces. Um, Tywin Lannister in Game of Thrones, where mm. he's he's like um, gut, or it's not gutting, but he's like um, doing something with like a some kind of game. You oh, know, okay, you remember yeah. that? It's yeah. like right before the the battle at the end of the first season of oh, Game right, of Thrones. Oh, right, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like monologuing as he's like doing all this butchery butchery work, and it's it's wonderful. And that Limehouse had a similar introduction, which Absolutely. I always always stuck with me. Um, I was yeah, I I mean I kind of like quarrels, like I mean. He never really hit home for me in the no. way that I wanted him to. No. Um, but in sheer like Gonzo psychopath aspects of characters, oh like, yeah, he's got a he takes a cake. Oh no, he's a, easily like the most detached from reality and, the, um, and like the darkest. I think. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah, I don't, totally. Yeah. But the thing that I think makes him kind of throws him off though is that he's like he's also a character who is defined by a weird gimmick. In yeah. that he's got like his little fucking super, yeah. you know, sleeve gun mm-hmm. that pops out of his out of his jacket. Like, like you have this, like, yeah, you're right. He is like a total like sociopath, mm-hmm. like just yeah, dark and twisted as fuck. Mm-hmm. But then he's got this like it's a go go gadget gun <laughs> when he's gonna kill somebody. Like, yeah. it's it's a little silly, you it know. Is. Yeah. Um, so the, yeah, there's a weird like detachment. But there. he's got arguably the best death of any villain. Well, yeah, <laughs> o- unbelievable. Um, that fucking oh my god, it's just and it's so great because and I, like well, I'll talk about this, but like you know the justified writers I think are really great at subverting expectations. They are, and that when we get to the finale, we can talk about that. Yeah, more. but I think that and I, that's why that's what it reminded me of um, is that that final showdown uh, with Boone in the finale. Mm-hmm. The way that that goes down sort of echoes uh, what happens with Quarles because mm-hmm. you know he's Quarles is killing people with his little like pop out gun the whole mm-hmm. season. So you sort of figure that at some point the pop out gun is not going to pop out or mm-hmm. it's going to jam or something, yeah. and that's going to be his undoing. And the fact that it isn't that that's not it that it mm-hmm. works, but they just chop his fucking arm off yeah. instead. Like man, what a like great like way to pull the rug out from under yeah. the audience. No, it's wonderful. Um, well, and it, it's another. It's a great example though of like. You know, in, maybe not inadvertent, but subtly setting that up because we know that Limehouse is a butcher. Yeah, you know? and so exactly. he's got these huge knives that he's using, and he, you know, uses to intimidate people. And and so it's it's a nice way to call back to something you didn't even know was that important, mm-hmm. and then use it in the finale. Yeah. So I yeah I agree. Uh, now how about Avery Markham? 
Because, like, I mean, look, there's a there's a thing here where, you know, I don't know how much I love Avery Markham so much as I just love Sam Shepard. Yeah. Uh, Sam Shepard, Jesus. I, I do that in my brain. I do that all the fucking time. Are they, do they ever share a movie? Uh, they they should if they haven't. Yeah, I don't know if that's... I don't think that's ever happened. I don't think so either. But man, what a wasted opportunity. Imagine if Sam Shepard was in Roadhouse. I mean, yeah. come on, that would have been amazing. That would have been interesting. Um, he's just like a bartender in the background yeah. of Roadhouse. That would have been great. Um, Sam Elliott. Yeah, no. Yeah, I, I, I love Sam Elliott. Um, I do Even too. a de-mustachioed Sam Elliott. Oh, yeah. And, and I feel like, in a way, I, that got a lot of attention when he first appeared. Oh, sure, yeah. Was the, you know, he'd been shorn of his <laughs> most, you know, definable characteristics. Yeah. So, but I like that because Sam Elliott with the wonderful mustache is is kind of fun and grandfatherly. And you, you like him. Yeah. And you're not supposed to like... No, well, he's way more... He's actually more menacing without the mustache. He's more menacing yeah. without the mustache, exactly. Yeah. And it allows him to, I think, you know, he's a great actor in terms of his physicality, the way his, like, face, you know, works. Yeah. He's got a... So totally. I think the, the having the mustache gone allows him to do more with that. Mm -hmm. um, but... I don't know. He always felt a little bit like an interloper in a season that didn't necessarily need him. He, in a way, feels like Limehouse. Yeah. He's kind of like there to, to stir the pot. But we know this is coming down to Raylan and Boyd at the end. And Ava. And it, yeah. And I was, that was one thing about the last season I was surprised about is to what extent Ava was crucial to the plot. And, you yeah. know, I mean, it makes sense. It begins with, you know, Raylan and Boyd and Ava in the first season, in the first episode. Absolutely. So it's great full circle storytelling, but I just never expected her to be this important yeah. in the last season. Well, so I don't know. So I, as much as I like him, and I think, you know, he's certainly better than the fucking crows last season. Well, yeah. I mean, look, so, okay, <laughs> hilariously, uh, somebody was talking, I was reading a thing where they were talking about, like, uh, the different breaking down the sort of the different seasons mm -hmm. and it just sort of said in passing like the fifth season which is like clearly the worst season yeah uh and i thought to myself like wait which was the fifth season like uh -huh. why was the fifth season so bad and i thought they were like shitting on the drew thompson season for yeah. a second because i forgot uh -huh. like the number of seasons and i was like wait what season was season five and then i went and looked it up online i was like Oh right! I totally <laughs> forgot about the fucking crow season. Yeah. Like fucking Michael Rappaport and his yeah. terrible accent. Yeah. Holy shit! Like the less we say about that, I think the better. Yeah. Um. They, and not which is you know not to say that there weren't great moments, moments yeah. in that season. Mm -hmm. Um. Like I really liked Wood Harris and Steve Harris. The they were they were great. They had like mm -hmm. a couple episode like mini arc. And like they, they were, were the brothers that you wished were the big bad. Of exactly, that they were so good. You wished that they were actual that they were just going to kill the, the crows mm. off like halfway through the season and take over. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no, I. The, yeah. God. Fuck fifth, that whole fifth season is a wasted no. opportunity. The only thing that I remember like kind of fondly from the fifth season is uh the moment with um uh the his I don't even remember if he was a crow or not. But the like underling guy who the kind of Frenchy guy? No, oh. no. The the other guy who he had the like the twenty foot rule, which is oh. like if you're less than twenty yeah. feet away, I can pull a knife on you faster uh -huh. than you can pull a gun. Yes. And like the way that that went down with Raylan, where it he falls wonderful. in the hole, yeah, and is stabs like, himself. And even Raylan is like, "What the fuck just happened?" <laughs> yeah. Like I watched that scene like four times because yeah. that was amazing no that was very good that's the only fond memory i have of like mm -hmm. that whole season basically yeah. like all the stuff with alicia vitt and the oh. kid and i could not care less about any of that and stuff. the fact that it's, it's and amy smart was in the season yeah, for a while that sucked. 
Yeah, no. And the fact that it was a crow, period. Yeah. Uh, my, what was Michael Rappaport's, what was his first name? Dale. Dale, Dale Crow, Crow. Jr. Dale Crow Jr. The fact that it was Dale Crow Jr. who shoots Art. I one know. One of the most important non-Raylan characters of the of well, the series. It just, it felt like such a, I don't know. It just, that didn't work for me. I know. I was going to say it's... You know, one of the few, I think, things that sort of worked coming out of that season was Art being sidelined. Yeah. Because no, that's fine. for the first time in the history of the show, it almost gave Rachel something to do. <laughs> almost. Almost gave almost. her an interesting storyline. Poor line. Rachel. I know. Poor Rachel and Tim. Like, but Tim, and one of the reasons I love season four is Tim has got the thing with the, the with psycho the, vets. Yeah, the PTSD and yeah. Ron Eldred, which is yeah. fucking, that's a great little subplot. Yes. And, and plus Tim is like, you know, Tim has the advantage of... Jacob Pitts has that wonderful dry delivery mm -hmm. that he can just like he could just be in a scene and say two funny things yeah. and like and, and you're it. kind of okay with it. Mm -hmm. Like Rachel just sort of felt like a non-entity for most of that yeah, show. Like they never really figured out an interesting characteristic or something to hang a hat if on. If it there. was, I think it might have been last season or season four. I don't remember, but there was briefly like a sense that Rachel and Raylan had a thing. Like there was some a yeah, little bit more. Yeah, well, they kind of partnered them up a little bit. They partnered and there them was up a little a, bit. Yeah, there was a little tension. For yeah, a for like a minute. For, yeah, yeah, but for like a minute, and then they dropped it, which was sort of regrettable. Because yeah. I thought, you know, not that I wanted that to be a big subplot or anything, no. but it, I, I liked it. I liked when they were kind of a little more bantery with each other than you know. Yeah, I, when when they put her in a scene, you know, uh, Erica just was like she could hold mm -hmm, her own. You know, yeah. like she she was. She's a fine actress, and mm -hmm. she could go toe-to-toe -to -toe with, with Oliphant, mm -hmm. but it was just like they never found, they never gave her any kind of real backstory. Mm -hmm. I think they introduced like a, at one point, didn't they introduce like she had like a brother or a cousin yeah, or something that was, that was like a convict? Yeah. yeah, and that was not and, a great But that episode. didn't really go anywhere? No, yeah, so it was like, another standalone one, which kind of just felt disconnected Yeah, exactly. So they never really gave her anything that sort of enriched her character mm -hmm. background, and you know, they didn't, and she didn't have, you know, that kind of dry wit of, of Jacob no. Pitts to just... And and you, and you knew it, shit and wander away. You, you know, you knew at least once a season Jacob Pitts would talk about getting hard. <laughs> this shit gets me hard. <laughs> I really I appreciate that you got real close to the mic for that. That was good. Well, because he's got that real low voice. Yeah. So. Oh man, it's amazing. Um, the only season we haven't talked about really then at this point is season six. Like in yeah. the, as a whole, as a whole, a little bit of Markham. And you're right. Like Markham is, you know, he's a little removed. Yeah, um, because he's kind of by like, design. Though. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's he's an he's older carpetbagger. Yeah, and he's like the older guy who was sort of out of it for a while, and he's come mm -hmm. back. And and you know the other thing is like the actual like menace threat. Like, so the end of season five does something that the show had never really done before, which is set up season six. You know, season yes. five ends uh -huh. with we want you to stick around to take down Boyd Crowder, and Ava and is going to be your CI. CI. Yeah, Ava's going to be your CI. And, like, you'd never really seen them set the table like that no, in advance. No, um, So, yeah, you go into season six being like, oh, great, this is going to be the Boyd versus Raylan, Raylan season, mm -hmm. you know, um, which they'd never really done, like, outright before. Mm -mm. Um, and so, like, the introduction of Markham sort of feels like, yeah, it just sort of feels like a... Like, you, you wish that there could just be a more direct conflict with, yeah. with Boyd, and instead it becomes, well, we're going to take, we're going to use Markham and all of Markham's shit as a way to take down mm -hmm. Boyd. Like, it's like they needed, in a way, it feels like Markham is just the thing that Boyd, the, something they were giving Boyd to do that they could catch him on. 
you yeah. know? No, I think you're absolutely right. And I think what Markham does just purely from a structural perspective is in a, any Elmore Leonard novel, and we've not really talked about Elmore, which I feel like we should just briefly do that, but in any Elmore Leonard novel, there's a bag of money and everyone mm-hmm. wants it. The good yeah, guys exactly. are going after the bad guys and there's multiple factions of bad guys who betray each other yep, and then totally. eventually, you know, it all comes to a conclusion. But but Markham is there to facilitate that bag of money. Totally. Which is, of all the bags of money in Justified, probably yeah. the most important bag of money that there oh, has Oh, sure, $10 ever million. Dollars. That's the highest stakes we've ever yeah, had. And, um, and on top of that, you also have uh, the Catherine Hale wrinkle as well. Yeah. Mary Steenburgen doing mm-hmm. fantastic work this yeah, season. And so I think out that's of, career high work for Yeah, for so me. out of sort of her natural kind of characters that she plays. Yeah, exactly. So, um, um, but yeah, anyway, so I, I think I agree that Markham is a means to an end, mm-hmm. and you know, because Sam Elliott is such a good actor, he ends up having some color and some, some, you know, yeah, he some brings interest. more to the table. Yeah. Exactly. I but, would, I would rank him above, you know, a lot of the non mags villains. Honestly, yeah. I'd put him above. I'd certainly put him above the crows. Of course. Um, I mean, yeah, Drew and Thompson put, isn't really a villain. So yeah, I'd put him, I mean, I'd put him in line with quarrels probably. And I would probably put him above quarrels. Just, yeah. Just because I, you know, I think again, maybe just because Sam Elliott is a wonderful actor yeah. and, and has such presence and, Oh, always felt like he belonged on Justified. Yeah, exactly. That's why it felt inevitable yet wonderful when it was announced that he was going to be on Justified. Yeah, there's always a bunch of those. Um, and I also really liked, uh, you know, very, very, very late in the season when they introduced Shea Wiggum as just that one uh-huh. guy who drives Boyd around in a truck for an episode. Yeah. It's like, he, it was, I mean, that guy, you know, he was doing uh, Boardwalk Empire. Like, he's been very busy. He's been in a bunch of movies and stuff. But it just sort of felt like, yeah, no, he's such a natural fit for this show. Like, mm-hmm. I'm so, like, even if it's just for an episode, I'm just happy to see them, like, slide mm-hmm. him in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, and the other thing is most of the, again, kind of like we're saying with, with Mags, where Mags is sort of in the background pulling the strings, but mm-hmm. the, the Bennett boys were doing most of the dirty work. Yes. Here, you've got most of the dirty work being done uh, by, you know, the three mercenaries, yes. uh, Dillahunt mm-hmm. and, and Choo Choo, Choo Choo, who was like, <laughs> oh my god, I just loved every second of Choo Choo. Choo Choo was pretty amazing. And who who played Choo Choo? Do you remember? Oh, I don't know. I don't know that actor. Well, whoever he is, the fact that I felt for Choo Choo at yeah, the end that, was that, amazing. That a one note kind of hilarious, stupid villain uh-huh. became affecting. Absolutely, is amazing. And I guess I mean a tribute to the writers too. But I think it was that actor who really sold. Yeah, he that brings a lot. Yeah, he he he. And he had a very interesting art too. Yeah, I mean, like the writers actually did something. Yeah, in the span of like a few six episodes, episodes maybe. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. um, and that and uh, Scott Grimes is the the third the third banana yeah. there basically uh-huh. um and you know and that was a storyline that was basically born out of necessity which was that they really wanted garrett dillahunt and mm-hmm. because again another it's the an, deadwood reunion exactly another another deadwood guy we can bring on board uh but they were going to lose him they knew they were going to lose him halfway through the through the season mm. uh, to you should do a movie or something else mm. um and so they, so they, they couldn't have him around all the way through, which is why they have to introduce Jonathan Tucker's boon mm-hmm. uh, sort of at the midway point, and, and they have to kill off all the mercenaries. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and like, you know, in a way, I, you know, I thought you know, Dillahunt's great in that, he like, he's a, he's, a, he's a wonderful actor, and he's someone who, like, especially as that character, he could just sit there and go, like, verbally go toe-to-toe mm-hmm. with Raylan and or Boyd, like, yeah. at any moment, and I just... Know. 
spin out of fucking yarn. Oh my mm. god, it was just it was just a joy to watch. Though I felt that got lost a little bit later on, like when he was first introduced, where the old old man calls him a peacock. Which yeah, is, that's an amazing scene. <laughs> that was great, and he really was speaking in this sort of ornate, like you you kind of half felt David Milch had come on the the you know the writing staff or justified and written some Deadwood dialogue for him because it was like making Boyd seem like straightforward by comparison. Oh sure, yeah. And then he becomes a little bit more you know. I guess straightforward in his in yeah, his, but as I mean, his circumstances so become more dire. Yeah. I guess you're right. As circumstances become more dire, the the sort of affected dialogue kind of drops a yeah. little bit. But yeah, Dillahunt. But then wonderful. you have Jonathan Tucker step in as mm-hmm. as Boone, who's also like he's just he's so great. He's a local guy actually. He went to fucking like middle school with a bunch of friends of mine actually. Really? Yeah, he's from huh. around here. Um and uh yeah he's 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 great as Boone the mm-hmm. the hipster gunslinger which the I've seen gunslinger, so yep. many places written but yeah it's I mean mm-hmm. it's a it's a great it's a, even though he, like I thought there's such an interesting like so many people described him as the hipster gunslinger even though like he, he li- hipsters he literally has a whole like scene where he just like tears down a hipster like yeah. you know all the way to the bottom it's yeah. unbelievable mm-hmm. um but yeah I mean he's they're, but they're doing, you're right, like, they're doing a lot of the sort of day-to-day, you know, dirty work, basically, mm-hmm. and Markham's kind of hanging out in the back a little bit, yeah. so. Uh, yeah, no, there's a part of me that kind of wishes that they didn't need Markham. I mean, like, yeah. I, I love to have Sam Elliott there, but, mm-hmm. yeah, there's a part of me that kind of wishes that this could have just been, you know, the Boyd and Win Duffy season, you know, because uh-huh. uh, Win Duffy is Wind another Duffy character is wonderful. that, he's just great. I just, I want more Win Duffy all the time, so mm-hmm. if I would have loved to just have it be Boyd and Win Duffy doing some shit that they mm-hmm. take him down for at the end yeah. um like that would have been that would have been fine I, my sense is that they didn't feel that was enough to sustain the season yeah probably that they would have to blow their load too early and then what do you do for the rest of the time yeah. so so i understand and i mean i think the way it played out it you know it was worth it yeah. any sort of detours and justified has never been a tightly plotted show it's and, true and neither was elmore leonard a writer who really gave a shit about plot he made it up as he went along yeah. and you know sometimes he arrived somewhere beautiful and amazing with get like get shorty mm-hmm. and sometimes it just sort of petered out you know and so i think in a way it's it's true to his spirit that that they seem to sort of approach things that way. And they, I knew they would rewrite things on the on the set. They were a lot more organic than like a show like Breaking Bad, which right. plotted out everything from the color of the characters' shirts to you know the arc of the season. So, so you know, I I kind of don't mind that it meandered a little. No, bit. No, me neither. Because sometimes, yeah, you're right. Sometimes those diversions were just a joy to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let's okay. Let, let's let's talk about the finale a little bit, and then we'll rank all the seasons at the end. Okay. Um, so, I mean, the finale really kind of boils down to. You know, like you said earlier, Raylan Boyd and Ava, mm-hmm. um, which is where the show started, and you know, and there's a lot of sort of coming full circle stuff yeah, here, which is um, lovely. Yeah, the, the you know, I, I made a point uh, on the recommendation of a couple of reviewers uh, to rewatch the pilot before mm-hmm. watching the finale because there are a lot of callbacks. There are, and I guess because I'm more familiar with the fire in the hole, like I didn't really need to do that, but I, right. I mean, it's, I mean, I probably would catch even more things if I had done it because yeah. there are, you're right, so many callbacks to that first episode. Yeah, there's some great thematic stuff, there's some great, and even just like some great dialogue callbacks. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, there's like, ob- there's the obvious one, which is, uh, you know, when they're, when Boyd and Raylan are, are in the drying shed, which it mm-hmm. should be pointed out, it's the Bennett drying shed, which yep. is another great wonderful just, just throw out that detail and that's uh-huh. fine you know mm-hmm. um the, the the you know they're trying they're sort of talking it out mm-hmm. and Braylon says you know there's another way this can end and mm-hmm. boyd says yeah what i pull and you put me down because yep. that was the promise he made at the very beginning yes. of the you know in the, early mm-hmm. in the pilot you know i pull i put you pull i put you down mm-hmm. um so there's like there's that stuff but even i want the one that i it sticks in my head is 
when he tracks down Ava at the end yeah. and he, you know, he knocks on the door and she mm-hmm. says, you know, I'd invite you in, but all I got is water and water. And he says, uh-huh. what? No Coca-Cola, no RC Cola, uh-huh. which is what she offers him in the pilot. Yeah. Like, that's just no, I love, I love that. That's how we get Ava in the effectively the epilogue of the, the finale is he comes to her door and we see her through the porch door. It's such a yeah, lovely callback. Exactly. So. And it's the epilogue, but it's like a 15 minute epilogue. It is, it is really. almost like half an episode. It basically. is. It really is. Yeah. No, it, it feels like two episodes episodes in a way which yeah. at first the first at first blush it kind of bothered me a little bit because it felt kind of off kilter structurally yeah. but second time through it really didn't bother no. me at all no not so, at all um, um there was another bit that i didn't notice until the second time around because and I, I remember the first time watching it being like just feeling like it didn't something about it didn't quite sit right with me um which is uh the when he finds ava um, it's because he has the newspaper article of her in the pumpkin patch. Yeah, and it feels like how did who, why why did he get that? And yeah, yeah, exactly. But so, then I when I rewatched it, it made sense. Yeah, the, you can see it's on the envelope, and it says Rachel Brooks on the envelope. Yeah. So like somebody mm-hmm. Rachel sent it to him. It's like okay, that's that's like a nice that's yeah. like a nice bit. Mm-hmm. Although the other moment from there that I really love is uh, again one of those few bright spots from season five is uh, Dave Keckner as the yeah, head of the Dave Miami Kechner. office. Yeah. Um, and and Eric Roberts was the other really great bit from season yes, five. Like Eric that Roberts episode, was wonderful. That that's just a fantastic not, thing too. Not maybe not coincidentally with the Wood Brothers in yeah, that episode. Exactly. You know, it's like yeah. they, they really hit a nice sweet spot there and then just kind of, you know, went back to whatever. Whatever the fuck <laughs> Michael Rappaport was doing. Yeah. Um but yeah, no, so uh uh yeah, I love I love it's really nice to see Keckner come and back. And there's there. just there's even little things like the the last scene which I'm sure we'll talk about. But the way that Goggins says Raylan Givens, like that is so, that is exact the exact same way he said it at the beginning when mm-hmm. he, when Raylan first comes yeah. into town and they're in the church and they share some some, some bourbon. Yep, absolutely. And it's it's wonderful. So I I love like just even the small things like that mm-hmm. just gave me such such a tingle of pleasure that yeah. they that they were they not forgotten their roots. Which and is... some of it's really intangible. And this isn't a callback, but like there was something there was something. So when they when they reveal uh, Ava's kid, yeah, there's something about the kid that like as soon as you saw it, you were like. I mean, like, intellectually, obviously, you know, she's got a kid, it's got to be Boyd's kid. But there was something about the kid where it was like, oh, no, that kid is clearly Boyd's kid. Uh And I couldn't put my finger on it the first time I watched it. And then the second time I watched it, I realized it's because the kid is wearing a shirt that is buttoned all the way to the top. He's wearing a little collared shirt that is buttoned all the way up, and it just it just screams Boyd Crowder. <laughs> yeah, like it's it's a like a perfect little touch. Oh, I there. didn't notice that even two times through. I didn't yeah. notice. That. I was like, cause I was like, does he look like does he look like Walton Goggins? Like, there's something it's about got brown him that hair, just but yeah, yeah, there's something that just reeks of Boyd Crowder, mm-hmm. and that's what I realized the second time. I was like, that's oh, what it that's is. The shirt's so buttoned all the way good. to the top, and I think it's because I read an interview with Walton Goggins this week where he was like, yeah, you know, like I love Boyd, and there are going to be days where I, you know, button my shirt all the way up to the top and i yep. put on that accent if i want to annoy my wife you know whatever <laughs> but i was like oh god that's it this fucking kid has oh, a shirt buttoned up that's wonderful it's that, amazing that makes me like the episode even more i know <laughs> right one little detail uh, and then there's also of course there's the great line with uh uh winona where i hate winona okay i almost kind of didn't like when she appeared i'm like i know she's got to be here but yeah but I'm glad that they didn't like put them together because you know that yeah, relationship's never gonna like hold up. Which was weird. Why in the middle of the season where they kind of 
contemplated the fact that that might work. Yeah. I mean, they had a well, weird like yeah. like bottle episode between you know Boyd and and Ava in the ma- in the cabin, mm-hmm. and then and then um, Raylan, Raylan and, and, Winona, and, yeah. and Winona in the hotel. And it was it seemed weird that they were like, oh no, it could work. Maybe, yeah. Well, know. it sort of and it sort of felt like, uh, and this is why I think is a great way to do it. But it sort of felt like. Uh, that he was going to go to Miami because you know to be the dad, but mm-hmm. like to try and make things work with Winona, but to just sort of the the implication I always felt like was that yeah he went back he tried to make it work it and it just work. didn't work, yeah. but he's still you know he's still a dad and he's still mm-hmm. involved in the kid's life and they, they've sort of they've come to, no and that's good I'm very proud of that I just uh, I used to really like Winona there was a certain point in season one where where Ava really started to get on my nerves mm-hmm. and I love started out loving Ava of oh, course. yeah. And then, you know, she was always getting kidnapped, you know, in that first season. <laughs> she was like a fucking hot potato that they just passed around between yep. the, the bad guys. And, yeah, so I kind of got irritated with her, and I liked Winona because they had kind of a – that was when they were really separated, and then they kind of started flirting. It was yep. kind of nice. But then uh, she always just came up as extremely smug to me, yeah. and, and I didn't ever think she could quite hold her own with, with Oliphant, so I never I never really liked that character. No, that's, that's fair. I, and, you know, it's tough because that was the thing where uh, Natalie Zia, I think, that was highly dependent on her availability to be on yeah. the show. Uh-huh. So she would disappear for seasons at a time because she wasn't available, and they were yeah. she was doing something else, and then she'd come back because she was available again. Mm-hmm. And so, like, yeah, I think that the, they never really got the kind of momentum Mm-hmm. Uh, between the two of them, um, but there's that you know there's that great line uh, you know the last line I think, I think it's the last line of the pilot where she says you know Raylan Givens you are the angriest man yeah, I've ever yeah, known yeah. and then you know we can see them you know later and he says oh you're the most stubborn man I've ever known he says better than being yeah angry. beats angry yeah, yeah. uh huh so yeah I know I like that I liked uh, another callback which is it's a little bit of a reach but I don't I don't think it is necessarily. Um, is when uh, Boyd's being pursued by Tim and by mm-hmm. the sort of the squad of yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. the mountainside, yeah. And he's got, and this is another little lovely detail, the um, uh, the lighter that he finds in the cabin. Right. And then he uses the lighter to light a stick of dynamite and throws it down the mountain at them. And I just, I really, I, I'm in a way, I'm glad that he didn't say this, but I, in my mind, I'm thinking, fire and hole, yeah, fire exactly. and hole. Yep. So, so that was great that he was, you know, it wasn't launching rockets, but it's kind of the next best thing mm-hmm. as a way to call back to that first episode. There's another really great scene in that uh, finale that I feel like kind of, it gets lost in the shuffle a little bit, but in the second time I saw it, it was like, it just really, it's like, wow, that like, what a, it's so, it gets funny, but it's also really smart. And that's the scene where Raylan and Art go to the bar. To, to... Art, show them your tits. <laughs> exactly. I wrote that down. Art, show them your tits. Which is incredible. But yeah, there's a great business with the bartender. But then they're fucking with the deputy who's yeah. there to get information out of him. And, you know, they don't beat him up. They He's got a concussion. So they're mm. smashing a baseball bat on the side of the bar mm-hmm. because he's sensitive to light and sound. Yeah. Like, that's a thing I've never seen before. Like, no. it's so smart, but it's also hilarious. And it's a great sort of, I wouldn't call it a bait and switch, but you're right. It's kind of, you know, we've seen a million gangster movies starting with, like, The Untouchables where yeah. the guy's got a baseball bat. And, you yep. know, something bad's going to happen. And you're right. It's a great way to sort of acknowledge that trope and then do something unexpected to, yeah, it really to zig it a little where bit. where you thought it would zag. Exactly. You know? And that's that's justified, I think. Yeah, no, that's... you're that's exactly right and man this whole episode is just full of like i said i at one point i was literally just sort of scrambling to write down great dialogue because mm-hmm. this whole episode is just full of great shit 
um, Art, show them your tits. Uh, that's right to the top there. Uh, but then, uh, uh, and when 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 Raylan's leaving the office, mm-hmm. um, and he's got that little moment with Tim, mm-hmm. and uh, he's you know, oh, I hope you can you know, hope whoever takes this desk isn't as big a pain in the ass. Or Art couldn't possibly be more of a pain in the yeah, ass. Uh-huh. But then he just kind of turns to him. And he says, "I just hope whoever it is is someone who can keep up." Yeah, and like that's a great like that's moment. As sentimental as Tim's gonna get. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> like, hey, you were a huge pain in the ass. Like, you know, you were an asshole, but you know, you always kept it interesting, mm-hmm. and like Tim appreciates yeah, that. You got you me know? hard, Raylan. Exactly. <laughs> that's the subtext yeah. of that scene. <laughs> oh, gross. Um, but uh, then there's the. Uh, the, the that whole the whole scene in the drying shed mm. between Raylan and Boyd and Eva is just like unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Like from Raylan walking in, and, God damn it, Raylan, your timing sucks. So I've been told. <laughs> um, but the one that really floored me, and and it's it has more to do I think with Oliphant's delivery, mm. is. When he says, well, you know, there's a problem with that, Raylan, because my bullet, my gun's out of bullets. Mm-hmm. And he, Raylan just kicks, kicks another gun over yeah. and he says, try that one. Uh-huh. Like, fuck you. We're doing this. Yeah, like, I, I don't want to hear your bullshit. Mm-hmm. Like, pick up a fucking loaded gun. This is going to happen. Yet you know? again, though, we think, of course, it's going to happen. This is what the series has been building to. Exactly. And we're denied it. And, but it's, we're denied it for a great reason, because it illustrates that Raylan and his own small small way yeah. has grown a little bit just enough to He's, not shoot him dead and that's maybe why he yeah. gets out of harlan alive you exactly know? like that's that's why he's able to be that dad in another that great subversion of expectations is yeah. you, you're waiting for that music cue mm-hmm. of never get out of harlan you'll never leave harlan alive and the mm-hmm. fact that again that it happens like halfway you're like oh, we're only at like the 23 minute mark yeah. this is coming in already jesus yeah. um but yeah no you're right that that moment that showdown moment you know, in a way, you're thinking, yeah, though they've got to, they've got to pull. Like it's mm-hmm. got to be the thing. Um, but you know, when you think about it, it actually feels more true to the series to not have that happen mm-hmm. because when you, you know, you go all the way back again, go all the way back to the pilot. Boyd Crowder is supposed to die in the yep. pilot, but Walton Goggins is so, so great good. that they no fuck it. We're gonna keep him alive. He'll he'll be injured, but you know we'll, we'll keep him alive and we'll keep going. Therefore, inadvertently setting up Justified's very loose relationship with life and death. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so uh, so yeah. So the fact that he the fact that he lives really you know in my head it was just like oh of course he lives because mm-hmm. he, you know it's bringing it all the way back to that to that first episode where you're right, you're you, right. you know you, you you keep him around because that's how mm-hmm. that's how he started so that's how he ends you mm-hmm. know um again like when you sort of when you sort of stop and think about it you go well it makes more sense to have him collar crowder mm-hmm. um again to say that have, 10 times twice. i know right good <laughs> lord but fast. to just have that like that 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 little inch of personal growth mm-hmm. which is and like when you think about it i don't even really know how much personal growth it is because it's really just saying uh, i'm not going to gun you down yeah, like in cold, when, blood, in cold blood while nobody's looking because even at the very beginning you know tommy bucks he puts him in a position of Forcing him to pull on him, so mm-hmm. that so that it's justified, you know. Right. Um, so he pulls. I can he can put him down. Mm-hmm. So it's literally it's just sort of it's if if anything else, I think it might be more Boyd's personal growth of like I'm not gonna pull on you, you know. Like right. I I'm gonna put you to the test, and I'm not gonna you know put my force myself into that bad hand, you yeah. know. No, you're right. I do think. I mean, just the mere fact that Raylan gets out of Harlan though, yeah. demonstrates that there is there has some there has been some minuscule growth in Absolutely. his character, and that he's. He's probably still an asshole. Yeah. Still probably, you know, is, is a pain in the ass. But, uh, you know, he's not maybe, you know, 
he's not making the kinds of decisions that would have gotten him in trouble. They got that, him in Kentucky kind of, in the first place. They got yeah. him in Kentucky in the first place. Yeah. exactly. But when you think of, again, when you think about it, it's like, well, of course, you, you know, you don't want to have, you can't have the big showdown like Gunslinger showdown with with Boyd because you need to have it with, with Boone. Boone. Yep. You know, you've introduced Boone as a character who needs to <laughs> go toe to toe. He yeah. needs to have a draw guns at high noon moment mm-hmm. with Raylan. Like that's the entire point of that character's existence. Mm-hmm. So to have two of them happen, you know, within a few minutes of each other, essentially, yeah, it wouldn't have worked. No, it wouldn't have worked at all. So like sort of leaving you hanging a little bit with Boyd, only to have you like immediately get pulled in with Boone mm-hmm. is that that's just great. can i ask did did you ever at all like even momentarily think oh boone killed raylan like they're really gonna do this like in advance of the episode or in that moment first the first time you watched it yeah did you think that raylan was done like that they that's how they were gonna zag is by killing raylan in this very kind of unceremonial or not unceremonial but like you know in a very very unexpected way you know if again if it hadn't happened at like the 25 minute mark of the episode okay. yeah. i might have had a little more Jesus Christ. Smells a little smoky out there yeah. okay well we're back now uh <laughs> my wife uh almost accidentally not really burned down the house she's cooking some stuff and uh set all the smoke detectors off something was bubbling over in the stove and in the oven but it gave us a chance to get some bourbon exactly we've we've, we've switched from apple pie to bourbon so <laughs> chin chin to you uh, so you okay? So you were asking about whether or not I believed that uh, Boone had even actually just killed. for a second, yeah. You know, and you didn't have to believe it for more than a second, right? But just for a second that Raylan might be dead. Um, you know, maybe maybe for like a half a second. Again, mm. Like if it hadn't happened, like if it had happened later in the episode, I might have bought that a little bit. Yeah. Um, but certainly as soon as they cut over to Raylan and you saw the hole in his hat. Uh-huh. You were like, no, uh-huh. no. Because they, they even uh-huh. make a point, I think, like early in the second ep- second episode or early in the second season, at some point there's a conversation between Raylan and Rachel where mm-hmm. he says, like, oh, I wear my hat high on my head mm. because it makes it seem and like they people will aim right. I don't remember know? which episode this is in, but it's one of the first ones with Boone where he talks about headshots. Like, he always goes for the headshots. Right. And you so, run a risk with that. Uh, it's You know what? It's actually, I think it's just in, like, the last episode before that, because um, it's when he, when he kills Loretta's, like, not boyfriend. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because he, he doesn't kill him with the first shot. He says, oh, went for the headshot, didn't quite, mm-hmm. didn't quite get it. And so, again, there's that subversion of expectations mm-hmm. because... You know, they introduce two things. There's the headshot thing, but that sort of feels more like a little throwaway line. Yeah. The thing that you think is going to trip him up is, I think, in the episode before. Or, no, no, it's in that same moment uh, when uh, he's like, oh, when he, he outpulls the kid. Oh, but uh-huh. he's got an empty chamber because he's like, oh, my gun here, you know, it's got a hair trigger. So mm-hmm. I got I can't leave uh, a chamber in the round mm-hmm. or a round in the chamber. Chamber, yeah. chamber in the round. Jesus <laughs> can't leave a round in the, round in the chamber uh because uh you know too too much risk of accidental uh discharge accidental accidental (laughs) discharge uh as as tim would say um when i get hard sometimes i accidentally (laughs) accidentally discharge um uh so uh so yeah so you kind of you expect that there's gonna he's gonna get into it a moment there and he's gonna have an empty chamber um but no instead he he goes for the headshot Mm -hmm. and he and he misses he fucks it up um, yeah, but Raylan gets him. As, yeah, as Raylan is wont to and do. And man, I went. I watched that scene last night like seven. I was like the Zapruder really? film with that because <laughs> I was trying to figure out like, did so, who pulled first? Yeah. Like, how close are they? Because there is like, 
Like you, I couldn't, I couldn't see it. Yeah. Like I just, and part of that is I think the fucking DVR, like the way the shot is framed when yeah. it, you have that great, like, like slow pull down mm-hmm. uh, along like Raylan's side so that the camera sort of rests on the yeah. sidearm with Boone in the distance. Yeah. Um, well, and even before that, I love how the, the car swerves and they turn and then we've yeah, got yeah. that lateral almost wes anderson shot of the two cars facing each other and exactly you, you know what's you coming. know exactly what's going to happen yeah um but you so it cuts from like the the low angle shot to i think like a more of a medium shot of boone because you see him pull first and uh-huh. then and and then it cuts back and you see Raylan pull and then it cuts to that that wide, wide angle shot, shot yeah. of the two of them and they're they're framed really low in the shot, mm-hmm. and so when I press pause on my DVR, the little fucking progress bar oh. on my DVR covers up the two guys. Fucking so contest. I couldn't I couldn't figure out like I almost went to the trouble of like pulling it up on my iPad uh-huh. uh, in like an FX in the FX app to yeah. see if I could see it better. But I was like it was, it was like one in the morning, and I was like fuck it, it's fine. Yeah. Um, but like you can hear the gunshots, like one mm-hmm. certainly goes off before the other. Like they don't go off at the same time. There is just a little like, you know. My thought is that Boone actually pulls first. He's actually the first person to out pull Raylan. Yeah, but he goes for the headshot, he goes for the headshot. And, that's, and and Hubris bites him in the ass. I or, agree. I think or, that's the way it goes you know, down. Or um, literally bites him in the chest, chest wherever he something. gets shot. Yeah. Uh, there's also a great like which I noticed, you know, in my uh, you know Years third of or film investigation. Yeah, in my third or fourth uh, spin through. Um, and I don't know if this is just a weird, like, consequence of the practical effect, but uh, when uh, Boone pulls, there's this, like, cloud of yellow smoke oh, that, yeah? like, goes off in front of Because huh. I actually, like, so when I pause, I can see, like, the, I could see them from, like, the chest up, basically, but I couldn't see the guns. Yeah. So I couldn't see, like, the, 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 the muzzle flashes or whatever, uh-huh. but I managed at one point to freeze frame it so that you could see uh like pink mist coming off both of them like simultaneously and it's great because there's like like red coming out behind Raylan's like pink coming off Raylan's head and then Uh like a big like red cloud coming in front of and behind Boone oh it's just fucking beautiful yeah it's great like right through his chest oh it's it's wonderful Hmm. Um, but there's also yeah there's like this big cloud of like yellow like almost like sulfur dust that like comes off his gun he has like a six shooter yeah he's got the big revolver so it's gonna be more smoke absolutely so that's a nice detail Um, but you know there's you have that you know immediately followed up with that great moment with Loretta who Mm -hmm. I realized is in this episode a lot and but doesn't, doesn't say, say a word. word. It's unbelievable. <laughs> and that's just Caitlin Devers is one of my favorite. I mean, she, what a revelation that uh-huh. she's been on this show. Mm-hmm. And like when I see her in other stuff now, I get like infinitely more excited. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, man, she's she. And even without saying anything, she just brings so much to the table there. Yeah, it's crazy. No, she does. And that a great subversion is you know justified as a talkie show, mm-hmm. and yet they give. A wonderful character who can handle the dialogue. She can handle the dialogue crazy good, yeah. Nothing. No. And, and she does well with it. And I remembered that, like, the first time through, I'm like, Loretta never talked. That's a little weird. Yeah. But then the second time through, I'm like, oh, no, I like that. I like, you know, the way that they, they handle it. And I love the look between her and Raylan at the end. That's a oh, nice, that's a nice parting so gesture yeah. between those two characters. Yeah, so great. Um, but yeah, man, that, that gunfight, that, that street mm-hmm. gunfight is just, like, it, you're right. It's like, 
part of me was a little worried because they introduced Boone so late in the season that mm-hmm. it just sort of felt like, well, we just need to give him a gunfighter to fight against, I guess. Because, you know, at the end of the day, Boyd's not really a gunslinger, you know? No. He's, he blows shit up. He doesn't yeah. shoot people, he blows shit up. Yes. Um, but no, I, it didn't, didn't... Jonathan Tucker was so good in, in that role that I... I was totally on board. That mm-hmm. moment totally worked for me on every mm-hmm. level. So yeah, this was an. You mentioned you know Adam Arkin. Like this is an especially well directed episode. Yeah, there's some beautiful stuff. Like I had written down the, um, the scene right after the cold open with Art and Raylan, and you know Art's going to pick Raylan up uh-huh. from the Kentucky PD or whatever. And, and we let's not undersell that fucking cop that has him in the squad car. No, that, that whole give that and take is. And that is a callback to him and I think Dewey. There's a scene yeah. where Dewey is in his car and he's like, if you don't shut the fuck up, I'm going to put, put you in, you in the, the trunk. trunk. Yeah. And that's such and a he, great And then he reversal. ends up in the trunk. Yeah. yeah so the look on Raylan's face when the guy tells uh-huh. him that, he's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's fine. That's exactly what I do, yeah. man. <laughs> <laughs> Which that's, that's the first chapter of... Um, of riding the rap mm-hmm. is is it's not dewey it's i think it's dale it's, oh yeah it's dale crow not jr dale crow was, who's also called out in the pilot because yeah. when he meets dewey and he says oh dude oh i knew some crows down in miami dale yeah. dale crow jr he says, uh-huh. oh yeah that's my cousin yeah yeah so it seemed like all the way again just like yeah pulling it all the way back no that's good but what i was going to mention about that scene that i really liked is just the the sh- it's the shot of um of art talking to the deputy and mm-hmm. i think Raylan's off to the side and it's like the magic hour it's like yeah beautiful sky in the background yeah because they drive through the night so it's like yeah, yeah it's dawn it's, it's dawn it's, exactly it's, i noticed that it's and, like a great color i mean color there's no there. i mean it's you know there's no special reason for it but it just looks great you yeah know, the whole episode looks great and i think justified never quite got the respect it deserved in terms of directing because it's a little less flashy than yeah than other shows that do a little bit more in terms of you know how the directors are you mm-hmm. know how they how they uh you know stage certain things but totally um and i love that moment I, like you know, Art, I, I, they kept talking for so many seasons, but, like, Art was going to retire mm-hmm. and, like, you know, that he was on his way out. And so, you know, when he gets shot at the end of the fifth season, like, you sort of think, like, oh, shit, and, like, maybe that's the end. Yeah. Because they keep talking about his retirement, you keep expecting him to die, basically. Mm-hmm. And so, like, the fact that they kind of dispense with all that early on, he's like, okay, so he's probably safe now at this point, especially since yeah. he's sort of sidelined and bearded and awesome for half yeah. of the season, which yeah. is just great. Um. But there, yeah, he has that great moment with Raylan a few episodes before where he says, like, uh, you know, we were talking about, uh, you know, you're going to have somebody bring me in. And he said, mm-hmm. nope, I'm going to be the one to bring you in. Yep. So the fact yep. that he shows up and – but then, like, there's that great bit with them in the car yes. when he gives him back the gun and badge. And he just mm-hmm. sits and he – like, again, it's just – you know, Raylan says gives him the most obvious statement, which is like, well, you know, Boyd's over here and Abe is over here and this is going on. Mm-hmm. And you're going to take us off the board for some bullshit you know I didn't do. Mm-hmm. And he pulls over the car and he just stares at him for a second <laughs> and then gives him a shit back. He says, fine, you dumb son of a bitch. Where do we start? <laughs> yeah. It's like it's and, and it's great because, you know, they keep they set up over the last two or three episodes all this stuff with David Vasquez and mm-hmm. that, that people think that Raylan's dirty and mm-hmm. that now he's, you know, going to get arrested and all this stuff. And the, and and Art just sort of like dismisses it, and then we, we we never speak of it again. Yeah, it's just sort of like we as lo- he comes back at the end with Boyd Neva, so like all is forgiven basically, mm-hmm. and we don't have to talk about the fact that he was basically he was arrested and wanted for something. You yeah. know, well, and that's maybe a nice thing about the time jump at the end is maybe there was more with that. Yeah, maybe you know there was stuff with Vasquez and, and Raylan had to clear himself, and Art had to speak on his behalf. Right. But, but fuck that. Let's go four years later to so that we can see where all these characters end up. And where Raylan is a little gray, and I love that. 
Mm-hmm. He's got, his goatee is like totally gray. But he's got like some real gray in the temple. Oh, mm-hmm. Slightly, slightly older Raylan. It's slightly older Raylan, yeah. Totally, totally mm-hmm. working for me. Yep, I like it. The only other disappointment I had with the finale was, uh, you know, not enough Win Duffy. Yeah, but, but, but. <laughs> <laughs> To I the had notes. To, I had to. Uh, I had to write this down because it was so wonderful. They did another weird thing, which was they had no real precedence in terms of the style of the show, where they did kind of like a, you know, hypothetical flash, flashback. Hypothetical yeah. flashbacks. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and they were even kind of gray, like they had desaturated the color yep. a little bit of it. Yeah, with LMA and, and yeah, with LMA, which was great to see LMA again. Yeah, I, I really. Sure. And if uh, maybe another disappointment in terms of you know how they didn't necessarily give uh, Constable Bob the send off he deserved. Yes. I was really hoping to see Jim Beaver one more time because yeah. he's still alive. He's with LMA. We we think maybe he'll come back. You know, totally. But he never did, so that was a little sad. But with Win Duffy, uh, did you notice the name of his fake animal grooming company? Down on all fours. Down on all fours. That was that. <laughs> slow slow clap for down on all fours that's yeah, amazing i love that that was a, a nice and again he doesn't get to speak but at least he gets you know he yep. gets that he gets uh, that shot of him in front of or in the you know van with that so i like just it's just beautiful it's stuff nice. and he's in fiji so good for uh, so good, good for, for wind duffy yeah um well look i mean we gotta i guess we, we gotta talk about that last scene then because uh. that's that's all that's left and mm-hmm. my god what a perfect so you know we talk about you know TV shows in the last handful of years, especially shows that get a lot of attention. The prestige shows. Yeah, you know, The Sopranos, Lost, uh, Breaking Bad. Like so many of these shows, you know, it's like, and I, you know, part of it is I think a lot of those shows are kind of they're built on a, a, a central premise. You know, mm-hmm. I get you could kind of I think the strongest example is probably Lost or uh, How I Met Your Mother, where it's like. The pilot has, like, a very distinct premise where it's, like, the show has to end with this thing happening, basically, mm-hmm. um, or with some sort of explanation of this thing, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so then when they get there, it's, like, yeah, I, I found that explanation unsatisfying, you know? Yeah. Like, is Which, the problem that you have, you know? I, I, and I know you haven't seen Breaking Bad, so I would not, I have not. I would not dream of spoiling it for you. But I've heard, like, one of the things I'm excited to start Breaking Bad is that it seemed like a finale that everyone was very happy with. Yes, where everyone sort of felt like... That's that show ended the way it was supposed to. Yeah, you know? and the thing that Vince Gilligan always said was, "I'm going to take Mr. Chips and turn him into Scarface." And so we <laughs> knew, we knew that was the arc of the show. Right. And we know that Walt has cancer, so we know he's going to die. We don't know if he's going to die of cancer. We don't know if he's going to die by some other means. But yeah. We know. You know, know he's going to die. You yeah. know he's going to die. He's got to die, and that's not a spoiler for yeah, the exactly. That's, bad that's the that's, premise of the that's show. That's the premise of the show. <laughs> so that is, I think, one one very rare, unfortunately. Um, exception to that role is is Breaking Bad because it does it does actually yeah. live up to it and I totally. think it does close the the arc and close the show in a very satisfying way. But yeah, I, I never watched Lost, but I you know I remember that finale just oh, sure. because of all the chatter. Yeah, people the next ready day. to burn the house down <laughs> after that shit. I mean, yeah. like I seriously, I have some friends who were like like you know super into that fucking show yeah. and were so soured by the finale that it mm-hmm. literally like retroactively ruined everything that had come before yeah you know well and that's an interesting point like i um have you ever seen the movie the mist uh no i know okay. it but i haven't seen it all right well it's based on a stephen king story again i'm right. gonna give away the ending it's a wonderful stephen king story and it's a pretty good movie it's a little good b horror movie yeah. you know and kind of just takes place in one setting in the yeah they're in a shop supermarket yeah yeah so it's it's really good the the ending of the novella and the ending of the movie are very different yeah. tonally and just plot wise and this was actually back when I was reviewing for my college newspaper so it, you know dates me a little bit but um, I 
the question I posed in that review that I still remember is can a bad ending retroactively ruin, ruin a, a whole, movie before a whole yeah. movie or therefore a whole TV show? Yeah. And for me, with The Mist, it kind of did. And so that's that's why these endings are so hard because TV's not built – it's built to be a perpetual motion machine. Exactly. It's not built to have a you know a finite conclusion. And so – and I think maybe what you're getting at is there is no expectation that's set up and justified. We don't yeah. know where it's ending. Exactly. So there's a lot of pressure for them to you know kind of wobble at the end because we don't have that inbuilt question that the finale has to answer. Right. Um, and again, you know, and I think, you know, when a show like this, the only real sort of expectation is, is somebody going to die? Mm-hmm. Who's who's going to survive, basically? Yeah. Especially when you make the calling card of your show, you'll never leave Harlan alive. Yes. It's who's going to leave Harlan alive, basically. Yes. Or who's never going to leave Harlan and who's going to die? You know, mm-hmm. like, so that really just becomes the only thing that, like, you know, from a bigger standpoint, you know, that you're really focused on. And it, it all boils down to... Boyd and Raylan and Ava. Mm-hmm. Um, early on in the season, earlier in the season, my money was so on Ava to Me die. Too. I too. was so sure Ava was yeah. not going to survive. Yeah. Um, I, I'm kind of, in the end, I'm fine with the fact that they all live. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Because I think, you know, all of their stories are sort of paid the appropriate amount of respect. Yes. Like, you know, there's, you know, in a way you sort of feel like there's danger of, uh, that you're just you're just trying to go for you know the the happy ending where, yeah. where everybody lives and it's yeah. okay and Abraham Lincoln and Old Yeller come in and it's all good right <laughs> um, but you know but because I, I think you know everybody lives but not everybody is like you know Raylan kind of has his thing he's in Miami he's got mm-hmm. the kid and he's more or less in a happy place he's eating ice cream, That's, eating ice cream. He, he loves ice cream, loves ice cream. Um, you know Ava she got away and you know granted you know Raylan sort of makes it all okay for her mm-hmm. but you know she's got away but she's been living in fear this whole time and you know all this stuff and she's got this kid and mm-hmm. and boyd goes to prison as yep. you know as he needs to yes um but you know what makes you know boyd i think is probably the the one where you sort of run the biggest risk of being like oh they copped out the ending you mm-hmm. know we didn't get like a big Boyd and Raylan shoot out mm-hmm. at the end. The closest we get is like three episodes prior where they're like blindly shooting at each other in the <laughs> yeah. woods somewhere. Yeah. Um, and that, what a great scene that oh, is. Oh, it's great. Yeah, it's fantastic. And that, I mean, for Justified, not only a, a literally dark scene, but like a dark scene where they're really like examining how, to what extent is Raylan any different from Boyd? Absolutely. You know, that, yeah. And that's a, yeah, it's a wonderful scene. Uh, but, you know, so you, I think that's the biggest uh, opportunity to feel like a cop out. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, those it last ends. two lines of dialogue make it all okay. Yes. I mean, that is probably – that's, like, up there for me mm-hmm. in, like, the pantheon of, like, great last lines. I know, and, again, what a great tribute to Elmore, who loved to, loved to end a sing on that perfect button. Mm-hmm. Or end a novel, like, the last line of Get Shorty is amazing. Yeah. So, so I love that they really – they accomplish that that they get a great last absolutely line, you know there's another great callback to to elmore um which is and i hadn't heard this until you know very well, recently the thing with the hat uh no but that yeah tell me so uh you know uh, Bo- uh raylan always had like the big cowboy hat 
which was always remarked upon by oh, every yes. fucking villain. No, I know what you're talking about now. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, you know, Elmore had always said in the novel, in the books, mm-hmm. in, the, in the stories, that it was more of a, it was a smaller hat. It was, it was more a, of a businessman's yeah. Stetson. Exactly. What the cops were wearing when JFK was shot. Exactly. That's exactly what he said. Um, and so, uh, you know, that was like one of the few, I think, points of contention for, for Elmore uh-huh. watching the show. It was like, well, he's not wearing the right hat, you yeah. know? So the fact, I love that, you know, when he, when he takes the hat, he, he takes Boone's hat at the mm-hmm. end. Because Boone shoots a hole through his hat, mm-hmm. so he takes Boone's hat. Um, you have that great moment with Rachel where uh, she says, "Oh, nice hat," and he uh-huh. says, oh, "I tried it on and it fits," it fit, yeah. which is exactly what he says about his other hat yeah. uh, when it gets stolen in that great episode from Hatless. early on. Hatless. Hatless is oh so good, unbelievable, a, good, episode. a great, great standalone. great standalone. Yeah, exactly, yes, the standalone that works. On every level. Gangbusters. Yeah. Uh, and so, so yeah, so he's got a new hat, and it's like that slight, it's not quite the businessman no, Stetson, but, it's, but it's, it's smaller. And it, you know what, and like, when it happened, like, when he puts it on in the, uh, like, going into the elevator, at mm-hmm. the, when he leaves the office, like, like he put it on, I was like, ah, it looks, it looks weird. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's a different, it's different size, hats. it's a yeah. different hat, just, it just, it looks weird. But mm-hmm. by the time you see him wearing it in Miami, you're like, yeah, no, that, that's his that's hat. Like, his it hat. totally looks fine now, no, you know? The man... Timothy Oliphant looks good in a damn hat. I know! He looks good in his hat in Deadwood. He looks good in the, you know, the regular Justified hat. Yeah, he looks, he looks good, good in that, that one. one. It's a great hat. Now, what I was thinking, though, when you were talking about another callback to sort of an Elmore thing is, at one point, Raylan says, uh, or no, not Raylan, um, Boyd says, you know, uh, you never believed a word that I said, but I was nonetheless enjoyed it. Yeah. And that is a callback to something that um, Ray, or that uh, Elmore said at the end of the first season to Walton Goggins said, I don't believe a word you said, but I love to hear you say it. Oh, yeah. And so I think that was that was totally their way of calling back to that aspect of Boyd, that, you know, he can sell anything. He can, and, yeah, and exactly. You don't believe it, but, man, it's fun to listen yeah, to. Yeah, the fucking mud people. Yeah. And, <laughs> you wouldn't like it in Florida. A lot of juice. <laughs> Oh man! Boy, do you know any Jews? <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, but yeah, that 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 last scene, and mm-hmm. like part of that is yeah, it's it's so it's like it's sparse mm-hmm. and perfectly well written. There's a great moment that really hit me the second time through um, when uh, Raylan's telling Boyd that Ava's gone, yeah, um, and he's like, oh yeah, she must have been, you know, she was in a car accident. She must have been trying to get put some miles between us, whatever. And Boyd says, was she alone? Which I think is really interesting because part of it feels like he's trying to figure out if somebody helped her. Yeah. To, so that he could, you know, if he ever gets out, mm-hmm. you know, he'll go after Win Duffy or whoever it is. Yeah. Um, but it also made me think, like, did he know she was pregnant? I don't know. That's an interesting thought. You know? I, my th- initial reaction would be no. But it's a nice it's a nice possible interpretation. Yeah. I yeah. like it. So. Exactly. I was like, oh, that kind of like it's not it's not really major but it, mm-hmm. it, oh it's just enough to make me think like mm, did he know mm-hmm. he might he might have known because he asked and like he might he might he might he might have had a suspicion yeah no and i like that scene because obviously that works on a plot level that you know Rayland wants to make sure ava's safe yep. so he concocts the whole story about how she's dead but i also feel like it's designed in some way to put boyd at peace mm-hmm. you know and to sort of close that chapter and you know let let Ava move on, let her get away from Harlan and from that life, totally. and let Boyd kind of move on in yeah. a way. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And and then, but Boyd has that great line about, you know, you either die or you don't get away. You know? Yeah, and the, only, the of, only way to le- get out of Harlan, the, the only way to, oh, fuck, he puts it so well because yeah, he it's does. fucking, yeah, but it's, it's like. Because it's fucking justified and every word is perfect. It's perfect, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the, only way to get, you know, the only way to get out of Harlan without, 
he literally says like the only way yeah. to get out of our town without dying is to never have been born there. Yes, exactly. Um, That's what he says. Oh, it's like, yeah, which is like a, a whole idea that the show's been wrestling with from the beginning. Is Boyd right? Is Raylan right? And yeah. so we kind of get two out of three. In yeah, a way. like two escape, but we saw what turmoil they had to go through in order exactly. to do so. But it cost them. Exactly. Yeah, and it really cost them. Yeah. So, but yeah, the duck hole together is just. I mean, and I knew it was coming in a way. Like, yeah, I, I, I could, I could feel, feel it, it coming. Yeah, exactly. You're like, as soon as he said, well, if I, it all comes back to one thing. Yeah. And you know what? Because, and as soon as he said, it all comes back to one thing. Mm-hmm. Because I had just watched the pilot. I think, I think I watched it like that afternoon, or I watched mm-hmm. it the day before. But I think I watched it that afternoon. Is as soon as he said, it all comes back to one thing. I mm-hmm. immediately flash back to that moment at the end of the pilot when yes. they're loading Walton Goggins into the hospital mm-hmm. and 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 Raylan has a flashback of young Raylan and and he does and You're right oh, young man, boy and they're that. like running out of the coal mine yes there's like a cave in happening behind them and they're like oh, running out right. and then and then Raylan says we dug coal together we dug coal together yeah which is the reason i thought of it is because the basically the opening and closing of the novella firing the hole mm-hmm. is you know, the opening is they had dug coal together but lost touch over the years. And at the end, it's the last line, we dug coal together. So I knew, like, it has to come it back to that. It has to come that. back to that, yeah. But I love that um, that it's it's Boyd who says it. And yeah. Then, and then really says, that's right. That's right, yeah. So, but yeah, it just, but, it gave me goosebumps. And I, those two actors just, it's just a beautiful moment for each is. of them. You can see, like... There's They're almost like some up. tears welling up in their eyes. Well, yeah. and, and Boyd it's is... It's very subtle, but... Boyd is... And it's good because, you know, because of Ava. So yeah. he has an excuse for it. Yeah, he's already emotional, yeah. But you yeah. can see Tim, too. He's... Yeah, he's, he's he's into it. He's got a little bit... And I think that's the last scene those actors shot. They were very fortunate that they were... Yeah, Boyd was, shot the, the preachy thing. That was literally his last scene. Yeah. I mean, the last scene together. Yeah, he's, they, they said they filmed that on the last day. Yeah. Um, I think it was the first thing they filmed on the last day. So it was yeah. their last... It was their last so, scene together. of course, that's the actors bringing yeah themselves bringing a lot to it well. and i've had that moment myself as an actor um where uh i think uh when i was when i was in high school i did hamlet mm. uh my senior like the end of my senior year yeah uh, so it was the last show that i was going to do at, at my high school and like we had really nice theater which i just spent so much time in and i love that theater um and so and i was so i was i was playing hamlet and it was you know it was like it was the first time I'd been like the big lead role of a show mm-hmm. and it was also my last like time on that stage. I knew it was gonna be like my last performance on that stage that I loved and my like last scene where I, you know where Hamlet dies, mm-hmm. I was like bawling my eyes out on mm-hmm. stage uh, just trying to get this fucking Shakespeare dialogue yeah. out because and like because in that moment like the enorm- like the, the the whole context of everything kind mm-hmm. of all hit me. Like yeah. while I'm lying there, and yeah, it like I totally feel that moment from mm-hmm. them, um, where it's like, yeah, they know this is the close of a big, mm-hmm. a big chapter. Yeah. Um, Though, what do you think? Do you think there's ever a possibility of doing a like a an X Filey type reboot, or not a reboot, but like a you know a revisitation, a, a revisitation, a six episode yeah. series, or a movie, or like, do you think? Because I mean, again, they they're all alive. Mm-hmm. There's a possibility. Everybody survived. Yeah. So there, I'm. Very very torn on that idea because one part of me would love to see more of course but i think yeah. this is such a this bring, is a yeah, wonder- bring on three more seasons are you yeah. kidding me come on uh three i don't know i think <laughs> they, they i mean after season five i'm kind of glad they ended yeah in six. I know. yeah but that's my point though is that i love this ending so much that i would be sad yeah. in a way if, that if it, there would be more to yeah it. exactly it, so. it's such a perfect like you know goodbye mm-hmm. that yeah you you kind of 
don't want to spoil that. Yeah. In fact, uh, I mentioned this at one point to somebody uh, right after when when Leonard Nimoy died mm. a few weeks back. Um, that it, if nothing else, it gives me one more reason to hate Star Trek Into Darkness <laughs> because. Leonard Nimoy has, like, the perfect goodbye to Star Trek moment at the end of Abrams' first Star Trek movie. Uh-huh. Where, uh, right, you know, right, he's, right. he's like, up in the balcony and he's watching Kirk get his command. And he just says, like, very quiet. And this was, like, a Leonard Nimoy improv line on uh-huh. the set where they were just trying to come up with something. And he's like, oh, I have an idea. Let me just try this. Mm-hmm. And he just very quietly says, thrusters on full. And then it cuts to them like oh, reverse thrusters and pull out a space dock and whatever, um, and it's like it's just a beautiful, lovely, like simple moment. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they that they then fucking shoehorned him back in to, into darkness to literally do nothing, just like oh, it just fucking ruins Leonard Nimoy's yeah. last moment in the franchise that defined him. Yeah. So yeah, it, like I don't look. I don't think we'll ever see a justified movie like a theatrical movie. I don't think this show was like this was certainly critically beloved and has mm-hmm. its fans, but sure, I just sure. don't think it had the numbers to You're justify right. them right. doing a proper movie. Yeah, and I don't even know if they would ever really do like a like a limited like, mini series mm-hmm. type run. I would maybe see FX doing kind of like a like a movie of the week kind of thing if maybe. if anything yeah. i you know i could maybe see them doing like a yeah you know, like a like a big spe- like a two-hour special mm-hmm. of just you know and and i i mean you'd have to you'd have to bring back boyd i don't even mm-hmm. know if you'd have to bring back ava um no but yeah but you'd, you'd have you you can't yeah. do justified without boyd crowder no, at this point can't. so i mean you'd it would probably be you know what happens when Boyd gets out of prison, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, and what happened? What's happened to Harlan? Like, is Loretta running the show? Yeah. Like, what, exactly. Did, did they legalize weed? Like, what? Has she become Mags Bennett? Like, so yep. there are unanswered questions that would be fruitful and interesting to explore yeah. in a future, you know, story. And you know, there's precedent for that in Elmore Leonard, like the um, in uh, in Out of Sight, you know, uh, George Clooney's character in the movie. You know, he gets shot by, by Jennifer Lopez, but he's not dead. And then they add on this scene in the movie, which is not in the book, with him and Samuel Jackson. Yeah, where yeah. She clearly, Jennifer Lopez clearly put them together because they both had break, broken Breaking out of a prison. lot of prisons. Yeah. So you know that something's going to happen there. And then I think um, Elmore wrote a, a novel called Road Dogs, where we get Scott Foley, who's the, you know, George Clooney character. Mm-hmm. And then um, Don Navarro, who's a character from Riding the Rap, who okay. showed up in a different form in a season of Justified where she was the psychic. Remember that psychic who, um, I think she was in maybe season three or four. I'm not sure. It was somewhere around there. There was a psychic character. Maybe even five. I can't remember. Now I'm blanking oh, on when it was used. This. But there's a psychic character and, um, you know, you never quite knew if she was you know, actually psychic or like spinning bullshit. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so she showed up later in Justified, which, you know, Justified had a great job or did a great job cannibalizing Elmore Leonard for material. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, and then also Kundo Ray, which was in a great Elmore Leonard novel called La Brava. So he brought them all together. So Elmore liked to bring back characters that oh, he sure. enjoyed writing and put them in a new story and put them all together and see what happens. Totally. So, so there is precedent for that in the, the canon, so to speak. Well, I was going to say what I would kind of love to see is you know more than i think a, like a justified movie or a justified like i would kind of like to just see 
Timothy Oliphant show up in another Elmore Leonard thing as Raylan Givens. You know, oh, yeah. kind of like the way that like Michael Keaton shows up in Justified in or, uh, in Out of Sight as yeah. Ray Nicolette yes. after he's already been in, in Jackie, Jackie Brown. Brown. Yes. Like I would kind of love to see just Timothy Oliphant show up as Raylan Givens in another movie, in you another know, Elmore that movie. That is an excellent idea. And you know, the last the last novel that Elmore was working on before he died I think it was called Blue Dreams or something, and it like started out in the world of like bullfighting and or not um not bullfighting bull riding. Okay, like, yeah, rodeo. very different, very yeah, different, very, yeah. very different. Yeah, I was gonna say Elmore Leonard <laughs> wrote a bullfighting movie. That's <laughs> no, amazing. No, no bull uh, bull riding, and um he's got a great actually novella in the same collection that's got Fire in the Hole called Tin Killer, which also has some rodeo thing in it. Yeah. But anyway, um and he had he was kind of stuck on it for a while. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to bring in Raylan. And this, and that kind of opened up all these possibilities. And then he had a fucking stroke and, you know, never oh, finished it. God. But I, I half wonder if his son, um, Peter Leonard, who is a novelist in his own right and a crime novelist yeah. even, I've always wondered if they would, he would maybe finish that novel. Oh, maybe. Or maybe they would do like a movie with it. And then that would be the perfect scenario for yeah. you. Because, because Raylan gets to come back, but it's a different kind of thing. It wouldn't be in Harlan. It would right. probably no, be exactly. Else. And that's, I would say, that's the beauty of Raylan Gibbons. He works for the Marshall Service. You he could literally anywhere. have him wander into any movie at any mm-hmm. point, just, you know. Uh, escorting a prisoner to you know from transfer from yep. one prison to another or yep. hunting down some guy you could have like three scenes and be mm-hmm. done like it would ju- I would just love to see Oliphant show mm-hmm. up and say some fucking Elmore Leonard dialogue I and know. fucking uh, wander out again and it would just it would make everything great it would make everything great yeah I, I'm I, you're right that is the exact right way to do this yeah so um, and especially the right way to do this if you're not going to get Walton Goggins you know that's exactly. the only thing exactly because so. it's in a way you can kind of view it as like you know, it doesn't necessarily have to fit into the, like, justified canon. No. Like, it, it could just be, like, a diversion of, like, oh, Raylan, this was another case that Raylan had mm-hmm. at some point. Yeah. Whether it's or, in that four-year gap or, or yeah. yeah. You know, in, in at any point, it doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily have to tie into what happened on Justified. And, of course, be, the, Oliphant being awesome. Yeah, and, of course, the great uh, missed opportunity in Justified in terms of it being a Deadwood reunion is Ian McShane. Everyone was always speculating that Ian, Ian McShane, McShane would be the yeah. big bad at the last season or that he would come in at some point to yeah. play some role. Yeah. Never did, never worked out, I guess. But yeah. love to see, I mean, once, you know, I assume at some point you will watch Deadwood, and once you see those two together, you will... I started will, Deadwood. I think I watched... Like I borrowed somebody's box set and then I had to return it, so I didn't finish it. I think uh, I think I I definitely watched a pilot. I think I maybe watched like two or three episodes. Okay, well that, yeah. I mean, you gotta watch the whole thing. It's, yeah, it's, exactly. It's one of my I I dug episodes. it, but I didn't. I yeah, I just couldn't. I just didn't have the time to finish yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, you will crave another scene between Oliphant and McShane because they are yeah. both so good together. Yeah. Another great kind of similar to Goggins and and Oliphant that they had a, a wonderful rapport with yeah. each other. Uh, well, any other any other final justified thoughts? Why do you think it never got the love, like, in terms of awards and sort of wider mainstream appeal that, you know, other shows got, you know? I mean, I think part, honestly, I think part of it is that they were a little bit ahead of the curve on FX, you know? Maybe. Like, they were... Right after The Shield. Yeah, I mean, well, so, yeah, like, The Shield was one of those shows where it was like, it made people pay attention to FX, where it's like, oh, hey, there's stuff going on on other channels, just kind of like the way that Mad Men was with AMC, Mm -hmm. where it was like, hey, other channels can make good shows, you Mm -hmm. know? Um but I think they kind of came in a weird middle ground, yeah. um, sort of where people were sort of, you know, they didn't, Epics didn't have a whole lot of like big hits going on. Um, but it was before the era of like 
Louie, mm-hmm. and uh, we're really we're always sunny, like really mm-hmm. picked up steam, mm-hmm. and and really now at this point, uh, you know, where there's the FX and the FXX split, where yeah. you know Archer and was like, oh, we have comedy and we have drama, mm-hmm. you know, essentially in a way you can kind of look at FX now as what like TBS and TNT were like 15 <laughs> years true. ago, you're you right, know. Right. Yeah. Um, so like I I think there's if the I think if that show had come along like today. Hmm. You know, it might have. There's a little more attention paid at those networks, and I, because FX, be, uh, because Justified, you know, like we said, it really, th- you know, threw off the 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 standalone thing very early on mm. and became very serialized. It became one of those shows that people probably felt like they couldn't wander into. You know, they really? couldn't just, oh, I've never watched this show, but oh, I'll see what it's all about. You know, which is part of why I love the Drew Thompson season so much, because yes. you could just start watching that show. You could. And if you've watched it, it pays off even more. Yeah, exactly. But that was a very seen, yeah. self-encapsulated season, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Um, and, you know, a logistical thing, um, Justified was never on Netflix. I mean, it's on That's Amazon. That's true. But it's true. people have Amazon and had Amazon, you know, when it was airing. Absolutely, so I, yeah. I feel like that's maybe. Yeah, I think that's definitely a thing that hurts it. I mean, and especially you know now that Netflix has become so savvy about this, where you know, oh, Mad Men is about to start its last season. Well, you know, three days before that happens, or you know, a week before that mm-hmm. happens, we put the last season on yep. so you can catch up. You know, mm-hmm. like they have become very attuned to the fact that you know, people binge watch shit on their network, mm-hmm. you know, on on their uh, you know website, so that they can catch up to whatever show is yes. about to start you know right. when it's like oh there's a lot of attention because it's the last season of a thing mm-hmm. people want to try and you know come yeah, up to speed which is, you know breaking bad that's exactly a prime example no that's so. yeah exactly so I, I do wonder too though on a more artistic level that justified isn't a show that wears its ambitions on its sleeve you know it's a and, and it's not to say it's not profound or doesn't have profound or interesting things to say about masculinity and then the you know just the influence of the past on the present yeah. and that kind of thing but it's not a show that sort of ostensibly, you know, has these ambitions of, you know, saying these, you know, big, big ideas and big themes about certain things, whereas a lot of prestige dramas kind of do, you yeah. know, I mean, it's certainly, you know, Sopranos, Breaking Bad, The Wire, you know, they're all Absolutely. very uh, thematically ambitious and justified. Again, it's, it's Elmore Leonard. It's, it's not, he's sneaky. It's ninja. Exactly. It's, it's like, it's between the lines. It's subtle. And and so therefore it, it maybe it feels insubstantial. Yeah, and I was gonna say in a way it's sort of you know you said the wire it kind of reminds me of the wire in that you know this is a show that is really built the foundation of this show is that crackling dialogue. Mm-hmm. I mean the the characters are great and but they're built on that that really you mm-hmm. know that's very sparse mm-hmm. but really just crackling dialogue. But I don't know if it's always it's kind of it's ornate sometimes. I mean it depends on the character. Well, you know? right, no. It, it, which, when I say sparse, what I mean is I guess uh, you know it's very specific. In it's, so you know to link it to the wire. You know, what I always tell people about The Wire is The Wire is an amazing fucking show that you should watch. But you need to sit down on your couch, put your phone in another room, and sit (laughs) and watch that fucking show. And don't take your eyes off the television. Because, you know, that's a show where a lot of stuff happens, like, non-verbally. And, like, you need to actually be paying attention to, like, get what's going on. If you're watching that show while, you know, checking your email and doing other stuff, like any value that that show has is going to be completely lost Mm -hmm. on you and to a certain degree i think justified is kind of the same way you know like you've got to kind of immerse yourself in this you know Mm -hmm. harlan universe and be able to draw the connections between all of these different characters and Mm -hmm. all of these different storylines and you know 
Raylan says seven words and it means the world, you know? Yeah. And, you know, whereas uh, Boyd says, you know, 45 words and yeah. it means the same thing as the other seven words, but you've got to, like, parse through all of that yeah. language. No, and if right. you're not really focused on it, you're just sort of like, well, there was some talking and stuff and I don't really, you know, whatever. Yeah. So you, you've really kind of got to focus in on that show. Maybe. You know, it's not a show where, yeah, you can just sort of, like, drift in and out and, like, a procedural or sort of like, oh, they're chasing a guy and, oh, this mm -hmm. is the scene where they bust into the place where he's hiding and then something, whatever, and then they catch him. Like, I've been rewatching Fringe right now, mm -hmm. and I love Fringe. I think it's really good, and one of the things that I really appreciate it, uh, appreciate about it, uh, this is my, like, second time through, is that, you know, people compare it to the X-Files, which is, you know, absolutely warranted, but the difference is, it is, especially now with, like, the hindsight, it is very clear that from minute one, they knew exactly what story they wanted to tell. Mm -hmm. Like, the knowing where that show ends up, the foundations of that, like, ending are there from the pilot. It mm. is, and they, and they carry it straight through. It is really, really great. Um, but, you know, there are story of you know monster of the week episodes where oh and this is the part where they you know find the thing like you can just kind of zone out for 15 minutes in the middle of the episode and it's mm -hmm. you know not that big a deal um justified doesn't really have those bits you know no. certainly not once you get past like the first season you know yeah no i think you're okay so i think maybe we're talking about two different things though because i was thinking more like like critical love i mean it was it was always critically acclaimed absolutely but it, yeah. but it never was like i don't think it ever ended up on anyone's like this is the best show of the year yeah you know and, and the wire is regularly thrown around as this oh, is sure. the best show of all time with like sopranos and breaking bad like yeah. those are like the trifecta right yeah there. those are the holy trinity of prestige drama of in terms of the best probably so, yeah so, but, and, and Justified never, you know. Yeah, never really hit those heights. Never hit those heights. And, but again, I don't think it aspired to those heights. No. And I think, and there's nothing wrong with that. And that's sort of sad that in a way, like, you're either a procedural on fucking CBS or you're saying something profound about the human condition. On HBO. On HBO yeah. or, you know, I mean. And AMC FX hits like, a, like a, gr a middle ground that I kind of love. I you do know? too. It's a very valuable asset. Yeah. To, and to I have think, around. I think if nothing else, you know, Justified might be one of the best distillations of elmore leonard oh it is absolutely um, i mean it's right up there with jackie brown out of sight and get shorty yeah absolutely i mean yeah i would i would i would put it in that pantheon without question and elmore would too he yeah. loved it yeah exactly he was very entertained by it i like, can't picture anybody else like boy boyd and raylan are so like ingrained like i couldn't possibly imagine anybody else playing those characters you know, or any other incarnation you of know them. too that there is a movie that was made of pronto well, was there really? Yes, there was. In the early 90s, I cannot remember who played Raylan, Ooh. but there was a... Was there, it called Pronto? Yes, it was called Pronto. Ooh. Yes. I gotta look this shit up. Yeah, yeah, there was a movie, yeah, there was a movie of Pronto, and, and yeah, someone else played Raylan, and I think he was wearing, like, a cowboy hat, so, you know, Elmore was really like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Seriously, this has nothing to do with, uh... Oh, wow! This has nothing to do with, uh, what I wrote, so, uh, you looking it up there? Yeah. Oh my God. Are you are you are you ready for this shit? I I knew it at one point, but now I've forgotten. So okay. So so hit. Me. Braylon Givens uh, is James the Gross, who's like yeah. a decent character mm -hmm. actor, whatever. Sure. Like can't uh -huh. hold a candle to fucking uh, Olathon. Yeah. But more importantly, uh, fucking Luis Guzman is in this movie. Uh huh. Uh, who is Guzman? He plays Buck Torres. Oh, Buck Torres. He's a like a he's a um yeah I I. Re vaguely remember his character okay, okay there's a there's a lot of like no name like nobody's in this movie mm -hmm. but more importantly it has glenn headley 
uh-huh. uh, as Joyce Patton. Yes. And uh, oh, there's Tommy Bucks is in that too. Yes, Tommy Bucks is in it. Some, yes. Some Tommy dude. Bucks is the uh, one of the big bads in it. Yeah. In a way. Um, and more importantly, the biggest one is uh, Harry Arno, who is in a way the main character of that novel. Oh yeah. Raylan is sort of like maybe co-lead but he's kind of the main character well it makes sense because he is the top billed actor it's fucking peter falk oh peter falk all right it's great um we watched an episode of the daily show the other night where uh stewart was doing this whole like detective yes and at one point he started doing a peter colombo impression uh just one more thing yeah (laughs) but the audience had no clue what the fuck he was doing it's like you're all 19 and you don't know anything that happened Mm. before six minutes ago like jesus christ isn't colombo on netflix though probably yeah probably but you know there's nobody on the av club telling them to watch it so you know what are you gonna do um I like honestly now that Elmore is gone, like I, you know, I wonder how much more great Elmore stuff. I mean, he's the guy's written a million things. You know, he's written fifty books, so much stuff. And like I, I, you know, now I just want more Elmore stuff in my life. You know, know. like I have a huge hankering to watch Jackie Brown right now. Like I want to watch Jackie Brown so bad. It's amazing. Well, come over and watch Jackie Brown this week. Let's watch. Let's watch Jackie Brown. All right, absolutely. And we'll have screwdrivers because that's what they drink. Done. old sir with vodka in my freezer i kind of you know i mean tarantino talks about retiring at 60 part of me hopes that maybe his valedictory movie is is another elmore movie i would you i would know, love that, would that. Be, that would be wonderful but yeah i think that's a that's probably a sad but true fact that because he's gone and you know because he's therefore not in the culture quite as much because at least when he's releasing a new book every couple of years yeah, at yeah. least it kind of he you know remains in the conversation but because he's now going to be relegated to the sort of the history yeah. the history and he even there's a recently the library of congress like bought three of his or not bought but i don't know they obtained three yeah. of his books from the 70s and put it out and library of congress that's like mark twain that's you know the the great 20th century oh, author absolutely so he's gonna start finding his way to that pantheon like raymond chandler and all the other great crime novels. as he should as he should i mean I mean, he was, you know, there's a lot of great arguments made that if there was ever an American to win, like, the Nobel Prize for Literature in the last 20 years, that's been passed over. It should have been Elmore. Elmore Leonard, yeah, totally. And, you know, so so you're right, though, though. I, I don't think we will see a lot more, which is it's sad. I mean, the last we... Elmore Leonard movie there was was that Jennifer Aniston most Crime, de- yeah. Life of Crime, which, like, I mean, I don't, I don't even remember seeing it in a theater around no, here. No, I think it was a very brief release. Yeah, they, so... Um, I don't know. Let's say, I mean, it, I hopefully, maybe Justified will inspire people to go back. And maybe, uh, you got to believe eventually Justified makes its way into Netflix. You oh, know? sure. Eventually no, it'll get there. Their yeah. thing with Amazon expires and they go yeah, to Netflix. exactly. And, and people will discover it. And, and it's weird because I, like, it can't be, it must be the production company because mm-hmm. it's not an FX thing. Because, like, they have Wilfred. They sure, have they other, F- yeah, they have Louie. They have plenty of other FX Sunny, shows. So it yeah. must be whoever produces Justified. Yeah, maybe um, so. It's the same reason that, like, they've never had Community because, like, Sony has their, you know, official deal with oh, uh, well, Crackle and yeah, yeah. and you and uh, Hulu. So, yeah. Um, so my hope is that maybe Justified gets rediscovered or, you know, people find it. It, and it like, hits that wider audience. Yeah. It hits that wider audience and then people go back to Elmore and then maybe we do see more yeah. adaptations because, again, he wrote 50 fucking books. Exactly. And plenty of them have not been adapted and a few of them have been adapted very poorly. Yep. So there's, they're rife to be readapted, reinterpreted and, and, you know, done something new with and, I don't know, maybe Yost does something. Eventually. I would love, I'd love to see Yost do some movies again. You know? Exactly. I was going to say, I would love, and I would love to see some more of Elmore's Western stuff. Like, yeah. I mean, the Western genre is kind of neglected these days 
movies. But but it's being kept alive by a few you know a few films every few years. Absolutely, there's you know? there's uh, one coming out or supposed to be coming out soonish um, that I've been trying to keep an eye on, but it's kind of gone quiet because I think they're in post production. Uh, called I think it's called Jane's Got a Gun or Jane yeah, Got a Gun. Yeah, Natalie Portman. Yeah, right. Natalie Portman, right, and right. but like and that was really interesting because. Uh, a lot of behind the scenes drama. A lot of weird behind the scenes drama. They literally lost their director on the first day of shooting, <laughs> and then they had to go get a new director. Like, that's some crazy-ass shit. Yeah. Um, but, there, you know, there have been plenty of good westerns. I really like the uh, the modern remake of 310 to Yuma with Russell mm-hmm. Crowe and it's Christian Bale. Good. yeah. Like, I, and I think that score is, like, beautiful. Um, yeah, and we, we talked in another... Uh, context about how there's no good scores anymore I at know. least for action movies yeah you know? so yeah that's that's true that's uh, yeah I, like i would i would love to see like a, a really a really great modern western well, and that's true. elmore he, wrote so many of them he did he wrote 30 like i think 32 33 stories that have been collected in the collected elmore leonard western whatever that one's called and then yeah he wrote several novels that yeah. are wonderful and and some of them have been adapted but again, maybe you you know maybe yeah. you remake. I mean, them, my maybe... favorite one is Ombre, and that was Paul Newman. I mean, yeah, which, that was the '60s. I mean, which true? Do you remake Ombre? I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, but like, I don't feel like that movie is not really in the collective conscious these no, days. It's you not. know, like people it's don't. Not. That's not a people movie people who like know. westerns know about that movie. Yeah, exactly. But, but people otherwise don't yeah. care. I mean, yeah. that's not a movie you hear brought up in discussions about Paul Newman or no, really anything. So, like, no. I you know, I would. That's a movie I would love to see like that's like it's like got a great like tight premise so mm-hmm. you know those are the kinds of things that I, you know in a wake almost kind of feels reminiscent of hateful eight to a certain degree yeah. it's like a bunch of strangers are stuck in a situation and mm-hmm. you know they gotta make it through so yeah or at least what we know of hateful eight so like that's yeah. the kind of thing it's like yeah like in a way it's weird tarantino feels like the guy who is keeping the western alive to a certain degree he you absolutely know? is and he's keeping elmore alive yeah. in a way because you know let us not understate the fact that Elmer, you know, there is no Quentin Tarantino without Elmore Leonard. Oh, totally. And Quentin Tarantino, as you know, sort of self-aggrandizing as he is, would be the first to admit that there yeah. is no Quentin Tarantino without, without Elmore, Elmore Leonard. Leonard yeah. Like he was so instrumental in Tarantino learning how to write dialogue. Yep. And you know, like we don't, if if again, if there's no Elmore Leonard, we don't get, you know, we don't get Tarantino. So yeah. I mean, that's it's, it's sort of. He's very historically important in that way. Yeah. So I, I hope that, yeah, again, like you said, it's... Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm a lover of... More. Like I said, I'm a lover of dialogue. Dialogue is, is my thing. Like, that really rich, meaty dialogue. That's Just, the stuff that I love. Why you gotta watch Deadwood? It's I know, so good. I know, I know. But, like, when I... Like, when the movies that I've written, like, that's... it's I like movies that it's just, like, a bunch of people sitting around talking. It's like, that's yes. why I love David Mamet. It's just, yeah. like, people sitting around talking. Yep. Awesome, you know? Yep. Like, that... So it's impossible for me not to love... Elmore and that's mm-hmm. like that's the legacy that you know if nothing else you know I just I, I, I love Justified if nothing else because I could just sit and listen to mm-hmm. those actors say those words yeah. all day you know mm-hmm. like it never it never gets old and never grows stale no, for me you're so. absolutely right yeah that's that is a wonderful legacy to leave behind exactly uh, well, let's let's okay. Let's rank the seasons. All right, and then should we do a heart of the Ghostbusters? That's what I was for, thinking. For That's what I was thinking. We can do All a heart right. of the Ghostbusters for Justified, I'm and, but totally I'm gonna I'm gonna put that. a little I'm gonna put a little different spin on it. Okay, but let's okay. let's let's rank the seasons first. Uh, right, you so, want me to go first? Yeah, you no, first. you can go first. Okay. I, I mean, I think we both agreed that season four is our favorite, right? Season four the Drew is Thompson favorite. season is our favorite season. Yes, and then I'm gonna say season two. Yeah, um, I will say this season, season six, okay. as my third. Um, I'll see the first season. Um, because again, I think even though there are, there's rough patches in those first, like episodes two through six, Yeah, I think seven through 12 or 13 are great. Mm-hmm. So I'll say one and then three and then, and then five. five. 
That's very interesting. I, I mean, I'm probably pretty close there with you. Uh, I would definitely do four and two. And, like, honestly, I haven't watched season two in a while. Like, four is a little closer to me, like, mentally. Mm -hmm. So I would like to go back and watch season two at a certain point. Um, I did last summer. It, yeah. It, it holds up. But like I said, those first few episodes are not, I mean, like, again, sort of episodes Cooter. two six. It was Cooter. That was fucking his fucking Cooter. name. Oh, Cooter Bennett. Cooter Jesus Bennett. Christ. I still don't remember the name of the, the one that was a cop, but oh, Cooter yeah. was, was the big dumb one. Yeah, you're right. I can't remember the cop either. But anyway, so, so two is, I think you would still feel yeah. very fondly about yeah. two. So. Um, yeah, I mean, four and two are, they're very close to me. And like, honestly, it, it would probably be more a matter of like what kind of mood I'm in, you True. know? Yeah. Um, four is better serialized. Yeah. They really, they didn't do a whole lot of one-offs. No, everything that is that Drew Thompson story yeah. and that it's nothing but that. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, push comes to shove. Yeah. I probably put four mm -hmm. just, just slightly over two. Mm -hmm. Um, but because... yeah, nothing holds a candle to Max Bennett though. It's yeah. just god um and it's it's amazing to me that I mean, margo martindale's been around forever but like she has, yeah. and she certainly worked since justified mm -hmm. but I, you know her stuff on the americans is probably the best opportunity oh, yeah. she's had since then and you another know, great role which is very i mean has sort of similar menace to Max yeah Bennett, oh sure but playing it in a very, very different, different way yeah but then so. she gets sidelined with a fucking Will Arnett sitcom. Yeah. It's just like, uh, like that show made me angry that it meant because it meant that Mags Bennett wasn't doing other stuff. You know, uh -huh. Margot Martindale should be doing better shit than this. She you should, know? Yeah. Um, did you see um, Perry Jatin? Yeah, I think I did a while back. Her is segment. She, she have a, she her segment I don't remember her being the, in it. Her segment is the best short film of Perry Jatin because yeah. it's. Um, it's like a it's like a woman who's like traveling to Paris for the first time and she's reading aloud kind of her experience in Paris in this you know very kind of Max Bennett accent in a way and it's very bad French like oh, it's, yeah like it's French that I can understand so I know <laughs> yeah. it must be bad because I sure, can like follow yeah. it but it's she is so heartbreaking and touching and amazing and, and again it just shows her range I mean we kind of maybe modern tv viewers think to tend to think of her as like the villain the big bad the kind of menacing figure yeah. but she can break no heart. she's very and yeah she kind of breaks your heart sweet. as mags even you totally. know but i mean that's I highly recommended for margo martindale fans to see the last you don't even want to watch the rest of Paris at 10 which is very <laughs> hit or miss i think but the last last it's alexander payne so you Ooh, know yeah, he's yeah, amazing yeah. and uh and that is she does amazing work in that all right, so uh, so f call it four and then two, um, and then uh, I mean, it's basically three or one. Which one are you gonna put? I'd up? probably no. You know what? I I hmm. or I guess wait. You, which one did you? Where did you put third, six? Third third place was six. Was yeah, six. sorry, I was getting yeah. ahead of you. I think I think I'd probably go. <laughs> God, it's so hard. I think I'll probably go four, two, and then one. Oh, you're gonna have to explain this, but I'll let you get through your. I list. think I'll do. I think I'll do one. I, like I gotta put one and six like next to each other. Like the bookendness okay. of it. Like yeah, 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 yeah. Because that pilot is so good. Yeah, and and, and hatless and the and hatless season. is great. Like there are there are a lot of really and I also really really love that season finale too. Yeah, Bulletville. Bulletville is, is so just good. oh man. So I think I probably go four two one six three five. Okay. Because because I didn't 
I wanted to like Robert Quarles more than I actually liked Robert Quarles. Well, was, like, I think Limehouse keeps that season better than it, you know? Yeah, like, well, I think Limehouse is the Michael more interesting Michael Williamson part. is amazing. Yeah, he exactly. He's got great charisma and great presence, but yeah, I, I agree. Um, so I only just realized recently that his name is pronounced Michael T. Williams. I, I always thought it was Micheletti. Yeah, me too. It looks what it looks like when you hear, I've only, because I've heard Graham Yost on things. Yeah. He says Michael T. I'm like, ah. Oh, that's how you say his name. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you're right. Yeah, he kind of saves that yeah. season. From I mean, him. and again, like, like you know, two and four and one and six, like, those are both sort of almost interchangeable to me. Like, mm, only okay. because, again, like, it's like, what kind of a mood am I in? Because, like, this, you know, again, like, if, I, if I'm thinking of the sixth season, really what I'm thinking of is the finale, yeah. you know? Because, I mean, I don't think, you know – there's, there's plenty of good stuff. There's amazing stuff in this last season. There really is. And I was going to say, we didn't talk at all about uh, probably the other, my other favorite moment of this season. Because a lot, like, I got, I kind of got burnt out with the, like, is Ava telling the truth? Will Ava run? Is she not going to run? Whatever. A little bit. It got, it was kind of similar to Ava in the first season where they're, like, kind of bouncing her around from, yeah, know, exactly. And, and her allegiance is unclear yeah. and stuff. So, um, I'll, I'll, this, the yeah, bit, the I'll scene where, it, when, when, uh, when, Boyd takes her back to Bulletville. Like that's a that's a great that's a great episode. But the other great high of this this season um, is uh, this the the episode with Catherine Hale and and Mikey <laughs> when when Mikey sells out win, win to Catherine uh, Hale and then they have that confrontation in yeah. the Winnebago is I mean th- you can't understate that stuff. No, that's and really I really like. Good a lot of the beginning stuff as well with Garrett Dillahunt and the mercenaries mm-hmm. but you get like there again when they sort of leave and they bring in Boone like there's a middle part of the season that gets a little foggy for me mm-hmm. where it's sort of like yeah they're changing gears and it kind of takes them a little while to sort of get back up to speed again I feel like there's an episode in that season which I, I saved purposely because I really loved it which might have been as they are changing gears and yeah it's maybe a little bit of a table setting episode but I remember every single scene in that like impressed me because there were lots of sort of two-hander scenes where mm-hmm. it was like and i think it was one of the first episodes with zachariah as a oh character. sure yeah and zachariah comes to ava's house and they have a conversation on the porch which is really amazing yeah i think that's maybe where choo choo starts to kind of get a little more dimensionality in his character and so every scene in that episode that i'm thinking of was was amazing and just so well written and great dialogue and, and very reflective and kind of pensive for justified but mm-hmm. still extremely entertaining at the same sure. time so yeah i think there's you know and boyd's whole scheme to get into the pizza parlor is i know great. i know i was and gonna the fact say that it goes back to mining you know back yeah to, you all know, the way back to digging coal digging coal like yeah. i think that's another great callback and and you know blowing shit up that's yep, what boyd exactly does. So, so so yeah i i think there's more high notes in this season than not yeah i know yeah. i agree i agree um Okay, well, let's do a little. Let's do a little heart of the justified. Heart of the, heart of the justified. Let's call it the heart of the justified. Um, well, heart of the Ghostbusters for justified. Uh, I mean, do you want to do you want to do this for the whole series? I guess. Yes. Okay. Yes. Right. Well, okay. Let me, so here's the little. Here's the here's the spin I'm going to put on this. There is a a push and pull throughout the whole show, and if you want to boil it down to the sort of the most meme tastic terms. You know, are you Team Boyd or are you Team Raylan? Uh-huh. So, uh-huh. Uh, you know, I think we should each, you know, let, let's pick a Team Boyd, Team Raylan. But okay. then I think we need a Heart of the Ghostbusters that is not Boyd yes. or Raylan. Okay. And probably sure. not Ava either, for that matter. Yeah. Um, because, 
it's fine. Yeah. Um. So mm. Boy, Boyd, or, Boyd or Raylan, who's your guy? I mean, my you know my gut instinct is to go Boyd because I love Walton and he does amazing work on just a purely sort of you know an acting level. And I guess my only reservation is that in in later seasons, Boyd gets really dark. Like he is murdering people left and right yeah. without blinking an totally. eye. Whereas he seemed to have that a scene, bit more that of scene a scene with Shea Wiggum is like tough to watch. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, that's right. Then that last one of the last episodes in that that hospital scene is. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, and and he, <laughs> that was one of the things that a lot of people didn't like about the the fifth season was just the amount of death in it. Like everyone was fucking <laughs> dying died. in that yeah. in that in that season. <laughs> It was like it was too much. Even yeah, for nobody. Justified. I don't think anybody that they introduced at the beginning of that season survived, <laughs> except for like Alicia Vitt and Amy Smart. Yeah. Like everybody else Which, died, and they should have died. Yeah, so probably just, one at least one, one bullet, of them should one have died. To take both of them out. <laughs> one of those shots <laughs> passes and, through one temple, goes and then to the angle next. it down so it takes out the kid too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, that stupid kid. Jesus Christ. Um. So I. I go with Boyd, but, you know, he scares me a little in later seasons, but I just, I love Boyd. And, yeah. you know, I love Raylan, too, of course. It's a very hard call, but yeah. I love, I love Boyd. No, you know what? I gotta go, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna oppose you. I gotta go Raylan. Okay. I gotta go Team Raylan. And, like, and that's hard for me in a way because this is, you know, Justified is the thing that, I didn't watch The Shield. So mm. Justified is the thing and that... I haven't intrigued... seen all of The Shield, but yeah. what I've seen I've very much enjoyed, and Walton is great in that in a very different way. In character. a very different way, but this was to say, like, this is the thing that basically introduced me to Walton Goggins. Like, mm. I, I knew him from other stuff, but this is the thing that sort of showed me that, like, this guy is fucking amazing, yes. you know? That, yes. like, because of Justified, I am now excited to see... Anytime Walton Goggins shows up in anything, mm. I, like, I'm, I perk right up. I am I infinitely more interested in what's happening because yes, Walton yes. Goggins is involved, you know? know. And you really... I, I hope... I mean, he's in Hateful Eight, right? So yeah. I, I'm hoping Tarantino... Yeah, in fact, he was some... going back and forth between the movie and the show in the at the oh, end of the season. Wonderful. I yeah. hope Tarantino gives him some Tarantino dialogue, and, and that will just be a thing of beauty. That I'm be really like, excited about it. You know, that'll be, you know... Can't think of I mean, he's great in Django. Have you seen Django yet? Oh, yeah, because yeah, he's 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 wonderful. He is, in Django. but he's not in it that much. No, and exactly. Was, you want there to be more of one him. of those like clusterfucks where like, oh, Jonah Hill's in it, but he's not in it, and <laughs> we got to figure out what to do. And don't worry, guys, I'll figure this out. I'm fucking Tarantino. Like, <laughs> That's but. a great description. Um, uh, yeah, so you know, I I gotta go Team Raylan, if only because. You know, like, Boyd, yeah, he's got that darkness to him. Um, but, you know, he, he basically, like, Boyd would sort of get involved in these sort of... These pipe dreams. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Where it's like, not that it's like that you don't like Boyd, but it's sort mm -hmm. of like, yeah, I don't... You're doing a thing, and that's fine, no, whatever. No, it's not going to end well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, Raylan, like, he's got that, like... I think there's something quieter about Raylan that really there appeals is, yeah, to me. Like, course. he's way... He's certainly far less bombastic than yeah. Boyd is. But he's got that, you know, Boyd is hilarious, but Raylan's got that, that Tim Gutterson dry uh, wit kind of thing going. They're different humors, yeah. And he's also got, like, every once in a while, Raylan would just throw off these, like, weird nerd references yes, yes. that I loved. Yes, when he referenced to Lebowski in season yes, four. Yes, exactly. It's on the Netflix. <laughs> Oh man, and I, I think you know, I just I just love Timothy Olyphant I know. so much. I was flipping channels last night and I stumbled on uh, Go, which I totally never, forgot. Timothy Olyphant is in it. that. Oh, he he's like he plays like the big bad drug dealer in that movie. Hmm. He's like shirtless for most of the movie. He's got like big blonde spiky hair. It's kind of hilarious. Oh, weird. Yeah. Um, but uh, the other thing that like my big enduring memory of Timothy Olyphant uh, from my time in Los Angeles. Uh, there, the radio station I used to listen to all the time, Indie 103, they had a morning show, um, and 
I loved this morning show, and you would have you would have appreciated the fuck out of this as well. Um, and this was Justified was still going on at this point. I think I think it was sort of they went off. This radio station doesn't exist anymore. They sort of went off the air. Uh, I think right as I was leaving Los Angeles. I think so. I think Justified was still ha- was was happening at the time, but uh, they they had th- they had this morning show. The, the guy who did the morning show was uh, he used to be in the Vandals, which is a punk band. Yeah, well, um, So he used to be in the Vandals. He left the Vandals. He got involved in like entertainment law, and so like on Fridays he would do this show. On, he would he would do a special show on Fridays called Barely Legal, where people would call in and ask questions like entertain like legal entertainment questions like hey my friend and i co-wrote this comic book and now like a studio is interested in it and but like my friend left after a couple of years and my now the studios like wants to adapt it and like do i owe him money or like Mm. you know what say does he have or whatever like like weird kind of creative yeah basically yeah (laughs) entertainment and it was really it was really interesting stuff they're like let's do because it actually felt like very kind of like educational in a way um, but it was also just it was fun and it was funny and it was it was really smart. But throughout the rest of the the rest of the week, um, he just sort of did like the regular kind of morning show. It wasn't like hey, we're on the morning show. Hey, uh, what's going on? I'm whacking the Beaver, you know. <laughs> That's what I think of. Yeah, no, it was it was it the was, douche. Yeah, exactly. Iron the douche. I know it was pretty it was pretty understated. But the two recurring bits they did on this radio show were uh, weather and news. And what they would do is they would have, like, they would do it in the morning, and then they would just sort of replay it, like, every hour, you know, on the whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and the weather, they would have David Lynch call in to read the weather every <laughs> morning. Every morning, David Lynch would call in to read the weather. But he would just read the weather wherever he was. <laughs> so, like, sometimes he was in L.A., but sometimes he was in, like, fucking Stockholm or wherever, and he was like, where I am, it's... 37 degrees with a 70% chance of snow. And you're like, well, that's not fucking here. I don't know. That doesn't help me, David Lynch. But they would have Timothy Oliphant call in to do sports, which basically meant they would call Timothy Oliphant and he, wherever he was, whatever set he was sitting on, he would just open up the sports page and just talk about whatever looked interesting to him. Because he's like a sports guy and I think he likes the Dodgers. I think the Dodgers are his team. But he would just, yeah, he would just call in and shoot this shit for like 10 minutes and talk about whatever was in the LA Times sports section. It was awesome and so they would do it like early in the morning at like seven something and then they would replay like a cut down version of it again at like nine or ten something uh-huh. but oh man i loved it i loved it so much it, it endeared me to do with the only font uh-huh. so much that i can't not pick team team Raylan. all you right know? well you've got a personal association i do i think if if there's ever an actor to inherit the mantle of harrison ford's you know bone dry humor it's timothy Oliphant. oh absolutely they have similar presence on talk shows where it's like the audience almost doesn't always get it like how dry he is did you, you know? see him on conan this past week uh, no i've not seen the most recent but i've seen him on conan a dozen times he was you know? on conan this past week because of the finale yeah. uh, i didn't see the whole thing i just saw a clip of it yeah. but uh he said that he uh screen tested for iron man it oh was, i've heard this it was story. him and robert downey yeah, jr yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but he but he tells the story so perfectly on conan where he mm-hmm. says yeah well you know there was another actor uh mr uh robert downey jr i believe this mm-hmm. was his name and um we both went in and uh, we screen tested for Iron Man, and um, 
you know, I'm waiting to hear. Um, so hopefully, you know, good news. I'm free now, so hopefully <laughs> yeah. this is going to come through. Uh, but it was, it was so great. Yeah. Uh, but I also just – I've been racking my brain for three days trying to picture him as Iron Man, and oh, I no, just it's, it's, I just can't do it, you no, know? It would be a different thing. Yeah, it would be so – And it would – the ripple effects to other, you know, the Avengers and Oh, everything. The been, entire Marvelverse would feel so different, it you know? Feel, like, it, I almost want to reimagine that. It would It'd be like, you know, it'd be, it's like the uh, – the Marvel Universe on weed, you know, it'd be like it's a little mel, it's a little mellower <laughs> yeah, guys, uh-huh. you know, and it's and, all right, man. Yeah. Hey, I gotta put on my suit. It's all good. <laughs> it's all good. Um, all right, well, let's do let's do what feels more like a legitimate heart of the Ghostbusters. Okay, you know, any basically any character that isn't that isn't Raylan or or Boyd. Well, I thought you were gonna say any character would be a great character because there are so many great characters. Well, on they Justified. are no, it's it's a it's a embarrassment of riches. For me, there are like two. There's two. Well, for there's me too. Yeah. There's two clear choices with the third place runner-up. Okay, well, I think we have at least one similar one, which yeah. is Constable Bob. Because Wow, no, I didn't even have Constable oh, Bob. Oh, okay. No, no, but Constable Bob is a great Constable decision. Constable Bob would be great because I feel like it would have a similar rapport to you and I where we could talk, you know, we could talk nerd things, yep. you know, and that would be great, and he could show me his go-bag. His go-bag, exactly. <laughs> I was going to say, oh, man, you can go-bags. So, so Constable Bob I think I would have the most in common with, and that would be the most fun. Yeah. Um... I would also love, in this maybe because of Jim Beaver, Drew Thompson. I love Drew Thompson. I love that season. I, you know, I just fucking love Jim Beaver. He's he's a wonderful writer. He wrote a great tribute to Elmore right after he died, which mm-hmm. I recommend. Um, so I, I would go with maybe Drew Thompson because he's got some stories. You oh, know, he's seen some shit, and uh, but he's level-headed. I, he's not going to shoot me at the end of this drink. So that's yeah, uh, true. That is fair. So I I, uh, I have to go with that. A toss-up between Drew Thompson and Constable Bob. Those are those are those are excellent choices. Um, I think I'm going to go with. Oh man, what are, so who are your two? I think well, my two are. Win Duffy. <laughs> oh, Win Duffy. Win du- I mean, Win Duffy. I mean, that guy. Speaking of seeing some shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That guy has literally, and the great revelation in mm. the last season that he was also an informant. Like, yeah. he's literally been through all sides of everything at this yeah, point. Yeah, he's a, he's a redneck, um, you know, uh, fucking Whitey Bulger. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, Win Duffy or, or Art Mullen. Art. Art. I mean, he drinks great bourbon. Yes, he drinks he fantastic bourbon. I was saying, mm-hmm. we were talking on Facebook earlier. I, you know, I take great pride. Art's secret stash of bourbon that he keeps in the safe in his office, uh-huh. which is fucking phenomenal, is a, a nice bottle of Blanton's, which is exactly what my wife gave me as a wedding present. Mm-hmm. I take great pride in that. Yes. Um, I almost bought that today. Uh, we, we were drinking the Woodford today, which mm-hmm. is, you know, it's a fine That's choice. Wonderful, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, Art Mullen's got a million stories. Mm-hmm. He's real funny. He's very funny. Um, and yeah, and he doesn't. You know, I just, I just, I loved Art. I mm-hmm. loved Art so much. There's all there's that great episode where Art's chase again, like a first he's season standalone convict. Yeah, he's yeah. chasing the old convict, and it ends with yeah. him on the plane in the. He's got the second little, season, but is it's it season two. It, I think yeah, it's season one. I'm pretty sure it's season two, and it's but it's a similar. It's it's structurally in that first half of the season where they're not really dealing with mags yet. Yeah, so I'm exactly. Almost positive because I watched this season like you know fairly recently yeah. within the last year at least so but yeah he's just yeah i just i love art so much but yeah, and, and art then is wonderful and then win duffy i mean those two guys yeah. those are two guys that i just 
you would know, not they, get along. No, you know, no, not at all. In this hypothetical drink. And there's <laughs> oh no, and there's actually that great scene between the two of them this season. I think it's the first time they've ever been in a room together. I feel like yeah, when they right, when right, they bring right. him in and he's the one who susses out oh, that that right. Rin was the was the informant. See, there's an embarrassment of riches in season six. I it's know, a great right? Season. Um, so I, yeah, both of those those are I think those are my guys because okay. those are two characters who. You know, they weren't in every episode. They weren't around a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, they, they were, they were, I should, I should Art was that. around a lot. They were I mean, around in every season, basically. Yes, um, yes. I don't know if Wynn was in the first season. Was he, he was. Yeah. He was in, he was in he, Hatless. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Thing, he's fucking with Gary. That's right. Why known as yeah, yeah, yeah. he husband. was introduced with Gary. That's exactly and, right. And he wasn't quite win at that point. No, you know, no, he was a little more menacing, a little more of a prick, and and then he kind of loosened up. And he and Oliphant, of course, developed a great rapport with yeah, each other. Yeah, exactly. And, but he is in well, the first season. I was gonna say, and it also leads to, I don't remember was it win or not, but it's definitely in the Winnebago. Um, one of my single favorite justified lines of dialogue in the whole show, uh-huh. which is. Timothy, with Raylan pulling the bullet out of his gun, tossing it down on the guy, yeah. and saying, next one's coming faster. That's No, that's win. I'm is it win? Positive. I couldn't remember if it yeah. was win or not. I'm almost positive, yeah. Oh my, that is like, th- th- talk about the best fucking intimidation line in the yeah. history of intimidation. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. Oh my god. You so, said you had a possible third, though? Well, my possible third is Tim Gutterson. Just because oh, I like Tim an Gunner, underserved okay. character, but my god, I just love every every time he mm-hmm. opens his mouth, I just love him. No, Tim's um, great, yeah. Constable I, Bob, I, hope I can't Pitts, believe I forgot Constable I hope Jacob Bob. Pitts gets something good soon. I agree, and you know what? I, one of those things, again, that it was like a, a weird association thing for me, but the only thing I'd ever seen Jacob Pitts in uh, before Justified was uh, Eurotrip, which is <laughs> like a wacky teen comedy. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. But he plays like the wacky sidekick to like the emo main character kid uh-huh. um who like just is you know pulling out like one crazy eye after another he also has like really long hair too oh, i <laughs> can't picture this oh you gotta watch it it's great he's really i mean he's really funny he's uh-huh. really really funny through that whole movie and that whole movie is like better than it has a right to be mm-hmm. um but like well that's it, the origin of scotty doesn't know right yes that's where scotty doesn't know come from exactly which is an, a, an amazing running gag yeah. like as executed in that movie is just fucking perfect uh-huh. um but yeah so that's the only thing i knew from where he was like the wacky like hey i didn't park my car here like whatever uh-huh. and then uh to see him in justified where he's like I said, he's so like droll he's just yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah fucking whatever man get me hard railing <laughs> So yeah, I just uh, yeah, he's he's great, a, a really tragically underserved character, but love him. Anyway. I was thinking of this though too. I mean, that's always sort of been a, I don't know if I want to call it a knock on Justified, that yeah. that it has all these great, a stable of great actors, and they're kind of relegated to these you know kind of supporting roles, and they're not always given the material that they deserve. But I feel like that's a conscious choice on the part of the you know creators and the creative team behind it is that this is the Raylan show and the yeah. Boyd show and anything else is kind of you know gravy. Basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I mean, it's great that you know uh, that Tim got some storylines, especially in season four, and you know a few moments every single season, which were wonderful. But you know, it's the Raylan and Boyd show. Yeah. So what do you That's what do? it all comes down you to. You got to prioritize at a certain point. Yep. Totally. Well, uh, that wraps up our special Justified. It's our first real. It's our first TV episode of the Daily Screening. Yeah, it's our it's our well, all TV episode uh, here. It was, it was a pleasure to be here. Yeah, for that exactly. Um, uh, you can uh, of course follow. 
uh, me at, at Daily Screening or at mdaily01 uh, on Twitter. And uh, Jeff, where can the people find you, you can on Twitter? Find me at at Ari Grote, A R I E G R O T E. Fantastic. Uh, and then of course the blog is dailyscreening.com, and you can uh, subscribe to the podcast here on SoundCloud and on iTunes. Uh, we will be back uh, later this week, in fact, with uh, another episode uh, all about Ex Machina, uh, Alex Garland's directorial debut. Uh, Jeff, you'll be here for that. I will uh, be here. As well as uh, my, my lovely wife and certified film scholar, Jamie. Uh, I hope you've had fun talking because, no, we've had fun talking. <laughs> so hopefully you had fun listening. Have a lovely evening, a fantastical tomorrow. I'm going to have more bourbon. 